Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jimmy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Friday, June the 17th, 2022. Hopefully it finds you staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. On today's episode, we have my man, Zach Tenor, and I believe I said that perfectly, on the podcast today. Uh, before we harass him with a bunch of questions, just some quick housekeeping things. One... Reminder, you guys, the Jeremy Scott Fitness app is out, and this thing is live, and we have it loaded up for you. We just dropped a five-week high-intensity hybrid program on Monday. If you guys want to check that out, you can do the first month for a buck, which is a pretty sick deal from there. Uh, We are doing a pretty monster transformation inside of there just after the 4th of July, which I'll share some more details with you probably next week on that. So that's coming down the pipe. There's over a thousand videos in there already. Um, I believe they have like six full programs on top of like everything you need for upper body, lower body, mobility, nutrition. Uh, There's a huge mindset piece and then a ton of the guides that we uh, give out in terms of macros, if it's our protein recipes, if it's the smoothies, we have all that stuff jammed up in there. And basically, we're just making the content based on what you guys are looking for and what we know you need. So if you guys want to check it out, the link is in my Instagram bio, otherwise just jeremyscottfitness.app. It's also on the jeremyscottfitness.com website. If you guys got a question, hit me up. Otherwise, first month is a buck and you can follow along with me, do all my weekly workouts if you're into that kind of uh, nonsense. That's in it for you. But no matter what your gym setup is or where you guys are at, we basically got you covered inside of there. And that's just jeremyscottfitness.app to get hooked up. And then you guys already know this episode is brought to you by my friends at Athletic Greens. The one thing I take every single day and I never miss. If you guys have still never checked it out, hit me up. I'm happy to have Monica send you a free sample pack right to your front door. I don't care where you live. You can try it. It's easily the best tasting greens on the planet. What we'll do is if you guys want to pick it up, we will give you a year supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order. The site is Jeremy Scott Finnist. What is it? I don't even know what the site is. Uh, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott. I've said that 8 million times and I still fucking forget. Uh, so that's up for you guys. Again, free vitamin D for a year, five free travel packs with your first order, or hit me up. I'll give you a free sample pack. And again, if you guys are back traveling, kind of doing your normal life stuff, this is an easy go-to. You can stop taking 18 different pills every day and just take this, and you kind of have your bases covered. Still eat real food, obviously, but this is a nice way to cover the gaps in your nutrition. So hit me up if you want a free sample pack. Otherwise, show notes are in the bio here. You guys can check out all the links to everybody else who sponsors us as well. Always a mouthful. So my man, Zach Tenor. I'm saying that right? Yes, you are. Boom, dude. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jeremy. All the way from Ohio. Yep. Yeah. Uh, So these people who don't know you, um, as far back as you want to go, dude, origin yeah. story, six years old, last week, it's uh, it's wherever you want to start, and we'll just uh, connect the dots from there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before I begin, I just want to say, you know, shout out to Jeremy for having me and just all that he does in the fitness space. I know that, you know, he always says that he's just a girl in the warehouse, but, um, you know, his impact on, on the industry is huge. You know, you hear it with the different people that come in, you know, from the internet, like he jokes about, or, you know, the people that he has on his podcast are constantly praising him for all he you know he does and, and continues to do so again I just want to say I really appreciate you we're going to obviously dive into you know the impact you've had on me and my trajectory but I did want to just say you know thank you for having me first and foremost but yeah to kind of dive into my specific background I'm born and raised 
St. Louis, Missouri. Um, pretty much big athlete kind of growing up, played everything as a kid. As I kind of slowly got into, you know, high school, I narrowed down to more of focusing on lacrosse and football specifically. Um, really kind of got competitive with those two sports. Was starting to lean into football predominantly for what I wanted to play collegiately. It started to seem like, you know, I had the talent there. I had the abilities after, you know, starting on my high school team, my junior year, becoming, you know, all state, all conference, all those different accolades and whatnot. Um, and so really I had my sights set on playing football initially. Um, but I really always wanted to go to a big university. I always wanted to go to a big public school. That was always kind of a goal of mine, no matter what route I decided to take. And so as I kind of progressed throughout high school and got closer to my senior year, we actually, a coach from the East Coast came to St. Louis and started coaching for MICDS, another local high school in the area. And, uh, you know, he brought a lot of college coaches um, from lacrosse, from the lacrosse world, along with a lot of local high school coaches, basically to come together and evaluate any player in the state of Missouri to try out for this team. And the whole catch was, you know, if you make the team, you basically get everything paid for. And so, um, you know, I never did one of those like club travel lacrosse, basically like leagues. And that was apparently like the only way to get recruited if you're from the Midwest. Um, and you know, like my parents never really wanted to pay for it. I didn't want them to pay for it. It was just like absurdly expensive. A lot of it was just like a money grab promising promises of recruitment and whatnot. And so I thought this was a pretty cool opportunity, but at the time I was so focused on playing football that I didn't really even want to do it. And I actually had my high school lacrosse coach call me and was like, where the hell are you? Like, get to this tryout. You need to do this. And I'm like, okay. Um, you know, and I, and I drive up there and I like start halfway through the, uh, the tryout and there's all these college coaches there. And that's really kind of where my lacrosse recruitment like took off. I started to get, you know, interest from Michigan, Rutgers, Ohio state, Maryland. Um, I actually took my first visit to Ohio state for lacrosse and just like fell in love with the, with the university, fell in love with the city. And it just felt right. It felt like the place I wanted to be. It felt like kind of home away from home. And I'm like, you know what, this is, this is really it. And I, I met with the coach, the head lacrosse coach at the time, um, on that visit. And literally like a day later, they offered me, decided to commit to playing lacrosse. Cause it was, you know, the big public school atmosphere is everything I really wanted in, in a college and in a university. So I decided to commit to Ohio state to play lacrosse. Um, and so I joined the lacrosse team in 2013 was my freshman year. Um, and then, you know, as I kind of progressed through that first year of lacrosse, I started to see some of the guys that I was playing football with in high school, like really taking off at their respective colleges. So like one of the guys was, you know, starting from Mizzou, another guy from Miami of Ohio, another guy for Iowa. And I was kind of seeing this and I'm like, you know, questioning, you know, did I make the right decision? And it wasn't like from a comparison standpoint, it was just like seeing guys that I knew so well and that I played with excelling at such a high level at these universities. And I'm like, you know what, what did I, you know, make the right decision? Am I kind of regretting this decision that I made? Like I really miss football. And uh, so kind of midway through my freshman year, I was kind of starting to have these thoughts. I was like, you know what, if I don't, if I don't try to play football, like I'm going to just regret it the rest of my life. Like I got to do it. And so I basically kind of just went to the drawing board and was like, do I talk with coaches from a school that recruited me? Do I, you know, transfer? Like, what do I do? I, I was kind of like lost, not totally sure what route to take. There was a lot of my friends at the time that freshman year that were like transferring. So I was kind of like in a, in an in-between period. And I, I remember reaching out to my high school, high school football coach 
And, you know, he kind of helped me and guided me. So shout out, you know, coach Pingle, but you know, he really kind of helped guided me, guide me toward, you know, the route of football. And we were talking with some of those schools and I was like, no, I don't really want to transfer. Like I love Columbus. I came to this city like for a reason. And so I'm like, what if I just, you know, walk on the, walked on the football team, you know, at Ohio state, like what if I, that would be my opportunity to stay in Columbus, stay where I, in a university that I loved. And so in talking with him, he actually knew one of the local area recruiters who actually happened to be the offensive lineman coach at Ohio state at the time, who was recruiting an offensive lineman from my uh, high school. And so he kind of connected us and then I actually, funny story, and this is dead honest, um, Ezekiel Elliott was like the only guy I knew from St. Louis at Ohio State as far as like student, other students go. Um, and so I actually texted him because we had known each other from both being from St. Louis. We like met at a high school party one time and then like connected. I was going for lacrosse. He was going for football and we kind of hit it off and, and stayed in touch. So I texted him and I was like, hey, look, like you saw me in high school, like what do you think my chances are of, of playing at a place like at Ohio state? And, yeah. and he was like, I think you could play special teams, which is crazy. Like looking back on, he's like, I think you could play special teams, honestly, like, you know, and we just had a very simple conversation. And so in talking with him and then talking with my high school coach, him connecting me with Ed Warner, who was offensive lineman coach at the time, they looked at my, my film from high school. They saw, they knew I was a player at Ohio state for lacrosse already. And so they were like, you, you can have a spot on the team if you want it, like you can join. But the catch was I joined after camp. So I wasn't like technically part of the team. Um, and so basically all this stuff was happening. And so as I got to the end of my freshman year, I basically had the summer to kind of train and get in football shape. Cause I, I think at the time I was down to like 195, like lacrosse is a very cardio based sport. So I was down to like 195 at the time. And I ended up like bulking up that summer. Like looking back, I knew, I didn't know shit. I didn't know what I knew now. And I did it in a very unhealthy way. For as sure. I'm sure you, you know, you know all about. Yeah. And, uh, amassed, you know, I was like 240. I think I was when I went to walk on the team. Um, I got like very, very big, <laughs> couldn't move that well. Um, and so put on all this size. Um, and I, I really was like convinced. I'm like, wow, like this is, this is the opportunity I needed. Like, I'm going to play, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to crush it. Like I'm going to kick ass all this stuff. I had, I had actually written down like three goals on a piece of paper and threw it in my pocket for like that whole summer of training. And it was like, get a scholarship, start on a uh, special team, start at linebacker. Like those were the three goals that I had. And, you know, so I basically, as I got to the end of that year, end of the summer, I started training and I had a great conversation with the Ohio state men's lacrosse coach, Nick Myers. So, you know, shout out to coach Myers. I, I respect him so much and all he's doing. And, you know, he told me, he's like, Hey, look, you have a home here always, but if this is something you feel you have to do, like you go do it. And basically that summer I decided to give up my lacrosse scholarship walk on and join the football team in August as a non-scholarship athlete. And like, I thought that I had all these things like coming my way, like, Oh, I'm going to start, I'm going to kick ass. And there is literally the biggest gap. And I don't know if like a lot of people know this, but there's just a huge gap between like being a walk on and like actually playing at those schools. And like, for example, when I joined the team, like there's so many different levels to it. Like when I joined the team, I'm not kidding you. Like, solely practice squad didn't even get to go to the games i had to sit in the stands so like as a walk-on you're literally like one of 130 people on the team and like out of that number 
there's like a whole group of people that like only are invited to sit in the stands. Then you have like another group of people who like wear a Jersey on the sideline. And then you have another group of people who actually dress for the games. And then you have like the travel team, the people with scholarship and all that. And so there's like, meanwhile here, I think I'm like about to make this transition and have like this killer career, like right off the bat. Like it was, it was like, no, we're, this is just the beginning right here. And so, um, yeah, basically joined the football team in 2014, conveniently the same year we won a national championship. So I, I do have a national championship under my belt from that year, which was super cool. And I think, you know, in that moment, being a part of that team and being a part of that national championship, like, cause that whole first year, I mean, I didn't play at all. Like I was literally like, I think like towards the end, like I just finally was able to like wear a Jersey on the sideline. Like it was, it was nothing, um, for honestly. And so I, I always had this goal. Like I always deep down knew, you know, no matter, no matter how shitty that, you know, circumstance was and how, you know, I was kind of, you know, punched in the mouth a little bit knowing that I wanted all these things, but I wasn't able to attain them right away. Um, it was tough. It was really difficult. It's like, you know, that first year it was awesome. You know, I got a national championship, but I kind of felt kind of like almost like a fraud. Cause I'm like, you know, I'm on this team. I just got a, a freaking ring and I haven't even done shit. Like I, I haven't done anything. Like I'm just like a walk on. And, uh, but I really held that, you know, deep, deep down. I always knew like I could play, like I, I knew deep down, like in my, in my gut, like I could play for this football team. I know I can get on this field. And so like after that national championship, that's when the drive like really kicked in where I'm like, you know, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to commit to, you know, playing for this football team. And so basically over the next couple of years, it was extremely adverse. It was probably like, you know, my sophomore, junior year, I'm just battling, like trying to just get somebody to recognize me, somebody to notice me. And so you know, I eventually did, you know, going into my senior season and I actually had two years of eligibility left. So this was kind of like my redshirt junior, but, but my true senior season, I was literally kind of at my, my breaking point. Cause it had been like two, three years kind of riding that brink of like playing, not playing. And it's crazy, man, at a place like Ohio state, like you literally have, like they would literally post our special teams like rosters and it, you'd have like four or five deep as like right guard on punt. Like that's how there's just like so many levels to it. And it's like how many dudes on the team do you have like total? Because like they have a like a, they have like a certain number they can have dress, and then there's like a certain roster number, right? So you there's literally probably at any given moment between like 120 and 130 guys on the team. Then you have like half of that, like 60 to 70 are on scholarship, and then I think like 50 something travel. So like you're basically like if you if you're like someone on the traveling team, like you're going to the away games, you're, you're on the plane and whatnot like you're part of like half of the total group of people and like what are you well i'll go i'll go back even further and we'll come back to this yeah how big is lacrosse like in ohio like i don't even remember lacrosse being a sport yeah so it's pretty crazy when i was like in eighth grade my dad he was like hey like we just heard about this new sport called lacrosse and it's like just coming to the midwest in like 2009 2010 is like this new thing even though like in canada and up east it's like huge because like uh duke john hopkins yeah. like they've been playing it for like syracuse Forever. Yeah. yeah but i never remember it no but I'm it old. was like yeah. it was, that's why like for me when i was getting recruited out of high school it was like an anomaly because like no one from the midwest like went d1 like if, unless you're from canada or like somewhere up east like you're basically not going d1 so it was like who, who's like when, i remember when i joined the ohio state lacrosse team they're like where the hell are you from? Like St. Louis, Missouri, like what? Um, and so it's, is, it, is it big there? Like in, in high Louis? school? Yeah. Um, it has since like really exploded, but back like when I was playing, 
it really wasn't too big. And then that coach I was kind of explaining that came to um, St. Louis, he really like exploded the sport around the area and helped grow it. Yeah, that's it's just a weird because I've never like I've never. I mean, I don't I don't think we do it here in yeah. Arizona. Maybe you you guys probably. I think there's like club teams like. Um, but it's like, not like basketball. But it's not like D1. Baseball. Right. Football. Like, it's yeah. a different – like, when even when you – I mean, is that like – ultimately, like, why do you – like, obviously, like, you enjoyed it, obviously. For sure. But who's at the games? Like, five people? Lacrosse games? Well, I'm saying, like, if you're at Ohio State football game. Oh, 100,000 right, right, right. people. Yeah. <laughs> you're at Ohio State lacrosse game. Who's there? I mean, it's it's a decent amount. They actually do like a five, lot of like the – Like, 5,000? It's definitely yeah. It's five thousand seems like five thousand <laughs> seems like a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, what, you're just like in a field. Oh, for sure. No, it's a lot less. And that oh my god, like that stadium is yeah, it's crazy. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you were to look at the two, it'd be like, what is this? Right. Like a high school football game versus like a pro. And that's because really at that level, because Tyler Owens has been on here. Um, he's a strength and conditioning coach at U of A, but he played at Alabama. Oh yeah, I and, listened to that one. Yeah, and then yeah. you worked there forever. So it's like that's a pro team. Oh yeah. Ohio State's a pro team. It's, it's crazy. They're not fucking around anymore. No. This is not like, oh, I no, no. This is a real – this is a business. We're there six hours a day. And it's a business. They they make the most money. Of, I mean, I don't know if people know this. Typically, sometimes it's, it's men's basketball too. But usually the football program mixed with the men's basketball program funds all the other programs. Mm-hmm. So the reason lacrosse exists is because the football program allows it to exist. So, yeah. like, when you're going to switch, is it just that you like football more or you're like – that just looks way more fun than, than what I'm doing here. I think, you know, to anybody out there that plays football or has played football, like, it's just – there's something different about it. And I don't know – it's not it's not a sense of, like, better – it's not like you're, I'm sitting here saying, like, it's a better sport. But it's just, like, there's such a certain amount of, like, emotion that For goes sure. into it. And that is what I missed because I was, like, a very vocal leader on my high school team. I was very engulfed in that just that chemistry that we had, that brotherhood that we had. Um, and that, that is what I missed a lot of. And we had that in lacrosse, but it's just, that's such a, it's just different. And that's, I just craved that so much. And I started to like, once I once, once again, like I just really started to question it and like, did I make the right decision? Do I really want to play football? So yeah, I would say it just stemmed from like a deep, like love and passion for the sport of football. Um, and then having those, those feelings of regret, and and just thinking projecting myself in the future thinking if i don't try this i'm going i know myself i'm going to regret it and so like when you're in high school like what position do you play in high school for football when you as you start yeah, to yeah. get become good so i i played linebacker like all through all through yep when you're little you're playing all the sports though yeah when i was little growing up i mean i played soccer baseball basketball um i didn't play honestly i didn't start playing football and, football and lacrosse until like 7th 8th grade so closer to high school and then it really kind of I would say high school is like when it obviously took off. And so how how big are you when you're 18 like you're a senior? So when I was oh my god, well, I would say like senior in high yeah, senior yeah. In high school, I was like 6 foot 205 210. So I was like undersized technically for football. But for like a high school kid's a big fucking dude. Yeah, and I wasn't 210 pounds dude till I was like 32 <laughs> years old. Yeah. 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 That's fucking crazy actually. Mm-hmm. But you're small for them. Correct. Oh, Cause, we'll cause see. That level, so it's just a different. Well, that's the irony. I always tell people nowadays the irony of it is like we had all these linebackers coming in after I joined the team that are like, you know, 210, 215, 205. And they're like the whole mindset of recruitment shifted. Like it was and, – and I was kind of like right on that brink where it was like 
we need like I didn't you didn't get a D one offer like when I was in high school unless at a, as as a linebacker unless you were like two thirty like two thirty two forty you're not getting a D one offer and now it's like we don't give a shit how heavy you are you're an athlete you can move well you're fast as shit you run a fast forty okay good now you we get you into our strength and conditioning program like we're gonna then put the size on you um, so yeah and the games change too. For sure. Like, it's just – and that's – I don't think people – well, I mean, football fans obviously understand it, but it's not the same. It's so different now. And it keeps – it's like basketball. Mm-hmm. Like, you watch the shit now, like, and you watch the 90s, you watch the 80s. You watch Steph Curry last night if you watch the game. It's like, what the fuck, dude? Oh, yeah. It's like you drop him off in the 60s, they'd be like, this dude's a wizard. Yeah. They're like, he's a – we need to burn him at the stake, dude, because he's mm-hmm. doing shit that you never seen before. <laughs> and football's the same way, though. Like, where it just – it used to be so just, like, you know, breakneck, like, we're only going to run the ball. Like For again, sure. We didn't throw the ball like this 15 years ago. No. And so the speed stuff, I, I do see how things have changed. And, obviously, the training and the eating. Is, oh, yeah. Which we'll talk about in a second. Absolutely. It's like when you're in high school, like, training, like, what is your – is there, like, a – are you on a legit training program? You have some kind of – obviously, you're playing football. Those tend to be – other than, like, football, maybe wrestling. It's probably, like, the only real people who lift – yeah. Because basketball dudes don't. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not saying they don't, but baseball, basketball is different than like the wrestling and the football dudes in terms of conditioning and training. For sure. Yeah. We actually, you know, my high school, they did a great job, actually. We had two different strength coaches during my time there, both awesome. And they're both still, you know, training and helping a lot of players right now. Um, but yeah, we I had Arlen Harris. He was a former pro football player. And then Derek Pitts, he was another one, another former, former guy. And both of them did a really good job with us. You know, we did do a lot of like field work conditioning um, out on in the stadium. You know, we did a lot of, um, you know, very powerful st- style, like very power based movements in the training that we did in high school. We did typical strength progressions. Um, honestly, like it's crazy thinking back because I can't remember a whole lot that we did, but it was definitely in that realm of of, uh, you know, what you very sports specific. So you guys are like back squatting. Yeah deadlifting power cleans for sure clean jerks we actually weren't we actually didn't do a whole lot of the ollie lifts but we did have like we had this jammer machine which is smart which is smart which is actually smart yeah Yeah. like because you're able to then teach these high school athletes who have miserable mechanics like hey you can move powerfully and explosively under load without you know hurting yourself and so we had machines like that to really kind of harness that stimulus without placing ourselves in a in a in a injury prone environment and i think that's where you know those two guys did a really good job you know they're if they played pro ball like there's a good chance like they know they pretty much kind of have an idea of what we should be doing generally um so yeah so they did a they did a really good job preparing us um i would say when i got to ohio state and this is no fault to them but it's just like you're at a whole different level i mean it was like i remember my first like workout there i was just like holy shit like we got through the warm-up and i was like exhausted like gone well, that's like I don't. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people understand the the gaps and huge gap. Even if you took, like, who's I'm trying to think. Like, what the video was it? Uh, you remember like Brian Scalabrini? He mm-hmm. played for the Celtics. White dude, red hair. Just in the NBA, he's not good. Right. But he's in the fucking NBA. Mm-hmm. And uh, he there's like a press conference he does where they joke and they're like, you know, do you are you mad you didn't get to play in the finals? He's like, no, dude, because in like a year from now, no one will remember. Three years from now, like I'll tell my kids I started, and ten years from now I'll tell them I was a fucking MVP. Yeah, and it's he's joking, <laughs> you know, but it's funny because like we we tend to not really understand like the the Monday morning quarterbacks, right? Like I've been around enough dudes where they'll be talking shit about, let's say, like if it's Eli Manning, oh I could complete that pass, and I'm like, bro, 
I don't think you understand. Like, these guys have three seconds. First of all, to be a quarterback is fucking insane. I go to baby get the ball, take a couple steps back, make like three reads, and then throw the ball in an NFL game over dudes who are like 6'6". Now, guys will sit and watch that and say, like, well, I could do this. I go, no. And I bring up Scalabrini because I remember he's at, like, a lifetime just shooting around. And some high school kid who's really good comes up to him just talking shit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, let's just play them, bro. And smokes the kid. Yeah. Like, fucking 11-0. And not only can he shoot, I go, but you don't realize, like, how good these dudes are. And the worst guy in the NBA to, like, LeBron or to Steph is so far away. Oh, yeah. Like, he is – Never going to get there. But to understand the last guy in the NBA compared to you is 10,000 times bigger. And that's probably like what you walk into where you're like, okay. Oh, my God. And you're a kid, though, too. Because you're when you're on the team, what are you, sophomores? So you're 19 or 20, maybe? Yeah. And I'm young for my age. So, yeah. And these are grown men. Oh, my God. And yeah. sometimes you have a grown man who's 18. Like mm-hmm. some of the, the dudes who are there, like if it's Ezekiel Elliott. He's a fucking man when he's like probably 16. <laughs> yeah. And you just know when you see him, you're like, okay, we're not the same. Mm-hmm. And that's where I don't think unless you're – in it, you don't know. I would no, say, like, yeah. the Olympics, right? Like, if you could get, like, a normal person to run next to, like, Usain Bolt. Oh, yeah. To see how fucking slow you are. Or, like, uh, me swimming next to Michael Phelps. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, dude, <laughs> like, this is what it really is. Oh, yeah. So, you go there. Obviously, the, the, the gap is different. But before that, how was your eating in high school? Because I'm just curious. You're obviously, so you're a Division One type athlete, like, yeah. you know, kind of top of the top. How were you eating to get there back then? Yeah, so... Um, you know, Do you I know actually, anything about food. So I knew like very minimal about food, very minimal about nutrition, but I did try to eat like what was generally sought out to be healthy, um, per se. And looking back, like it wasn't terrible. Like I remember I would eat like sandwiches, a lot of pro- like a lot of like deli meat protein, um, typically trying to do, you know, the wheat bread, not the white. So like very generally kind of quote unquote healthy um, you know, not eating a whole lot of processed stuff. So I would say like, it actually was not too bad other than, you know, tip- being a typical like high school guy, teen drinking. Um, <laughs> so yeah. other than that, of course. Um, but yeah, I would say like for the most part, it wasn't like awful, but then when I got in college and it was like, I know I needed, cause then I was still in that mindset of like, they only want guys who are two thirty, two forty. So like, I've got to bulk up and, and doing that, it was just like, eating 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 in like a ridiculous surplus but like not not the most not the best stuff so when you're like let's say freshman sophomore you're 195 pounds 200 pounds playing lacrosse you get to 240 pounds yeah what are you eating to get there so i remember very clearly i was doing the mass gainer shakes Classic. I remember those. Yeah. yeah, classic. That shit don't work. About like no. About like. I mean, a it kind of does, but it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it's like a thousand calories a shake. It's absolutely absurd. Like honestly, looking back, like I'll, we'll be in like we'll be in you know a, a store, a supplement store or something, and like I'll look at those sometimes, like as a joke, like what the hell? Like people are actually still buying this shit. I think I like, took like it was called Cyto Gainer. Yeah, it was the same thing. <laughs> I think every scoop was like six hundred calories. It tasted yeah. like complete shit. Yeah. Like hot, not like, I'm like from the era where like when my mom is protein powder as a kid, I remember mm-hmm. it's like metrics Yes. and bro, like fucking swallowing wet gravel, dude. Terrible. Like I would drink it over the toilet cause I would gag so hard. Now Cytogainer was not that bad, but it sure as fuck wasn't good. If you put, honestly, most people like for protein shakes, if you put frozen fruit and peanut butter and a banana in it, it kind of makes it palatable no matter for what. For sure. But I don't know. I wish I could go back and remember how shitty I felt because it was not good, but like how 
terrible i don't even know the ingredients most of it's trash oh yeah and with the havoc it wreaks in your digestive system <laughs> yes. let alone like it's just i don't know how much you're really retaining right honestly but anyways but yeah so i mean i would say the mass gainer shakes i do remember like going to chipotle i would literally get like two chipotle bowls and like crush those um like full I, shit rice beans oh, yeah, the, whole thing. the whole works yeah. and then you know pastas i was like crushing a lot of pasta um so yeah it was kind of like the mindset of like eat to gain weight by any means necessary. And I don't really care about what it is. Um, yeah. And, and, and we'll obviously get into this, but a lot of like those styles of habits and like those things I went through, like for sure changed my perspective and, and what I know now too, um, on nutrition. So, but it is funny, you know, looking back on those things and like wh- where my mindset was during those times. Cause yeah, I didn't know shit, um, about nutrition back in the, back in, in those days. And even, even as we progressed, you know, through, through college and at Ohio state, we shockingly, like we didn't have a whole lot of nutrition knowledge given to us very surprisingly. And I have heard, you know, like to, to the credit of the program, to the credit of obviously like the football team and everything, I have heard that like the nutrition and stuff has gotten so much better, um, as of recent in the last couple of years. But I know when I was there, like it was very general. Um, and we got like some advice, me and a buddy actually did like keto for the first time ever during that phase of our lives, which, you know, looking back definitely wasn't the best. And I learned a lot from that as well. So that's the one good thing you you do. And you know, this Jeremy, you know, you do enough dumb shit yourself. You learn how to do it the right way. Well, yeah. And the, it's so, it's like technology. It's moving so fast. And so is the education base where like when you're in high school, are you guys doing mobility? Do you have foam rollers around? I mean, we had foam rollers, not, we're not doing a whole ton of mobility uh, and definitely not in high school. Um, in college, I would call it rushed, like very rushed, like do your fire hydrants, do your quick arm circles, like completely the opposite of like what true mobility is, which is like, slow it down, full range of motion, really actually challenge the joint range of motion. Don't just go real fast and swing your body around. So, um, yeah, definitely not a whole lot of mobility at in high school and then like a little bit in college. And it's not like you went to college 10 years ago. No, this not that like long. Ago. Five years ago. Yeah. And so what are you talking like 10 minutes a day? Five minutes? Yeah. Like, isn't that crazy though? Crazy. Like, I don't know. I'm not judging anybody, whatever they do. And obviously if, when you know better, you do better. I don't remember, um, even the word mobility in college. Oh my God. No, I don't remember seeing a fucking foam roller, dude. Mm-hmm. Like we were one of the first people to like, groups that i know locally to be like here's what because like we would have foam rollers but la fitness had zero Mm -hmm. and i'm like how the fuck do you have 35 treadmills and then there's some people who are like foam rolling is complete bullshit i'm like go fuck yourself dude (laughs) like you you don't understand when you're saying that and i'm not going to get into the weeds of it but i know what you mean i can't imagine there's 30 treadmills and then we don't have like three bands to do like hip stretches like there's nothing there and that's where i always like fall back on and i i tell people whenever we because a lot of people like clients now especially like always ask me like what was ohio state like like what were you guys doing and stuff and you know to to their credit and to like the defense of strength conditioning coaches like you probably you have like a million things you want to do with these guys like there's so many different things like, like we're talking about mobility, like we want to focus on getting more powerful. We want to focus on getting stronger. We want to focus on getting faster. We want to focus on moving better. Um, you know, all everything under the sun. And so it becomes really difficult. And like, you know, this Jeremy from a programming standpoint and, and, and everything like really narrowing that focus down on, okay, what are going to be our fundamentals? What are we going to focus on? And so to their defense, like there's a lot of shit to focus on, but again, seeing the benefits of mobility now, cause that's 
staple. I do it every single day. I know you do it every single day. And just the way that I can move through space and under load, like it's just so the term is just so much healthier and better for your body. Because I think, you know, especially thinking back to like high school and even college, like some of the habits that we had about lifting were just terrible. Like it's like, push it as hard as possible. Don't give a shit about your form. Don't care about your movement mechanics. Just push it. And like, it's terrible. Like that's a bad way of looking at things. Um, so it definitely, the mobility is just such a crucial component. Thank God, you know, I do it now. It's, it's helped my body feel so much better after being an athlete. But yeah, I mean, if I could go back, I would, that would be a central part of my, I actually was just helping my buddy who I played with at Ohio state, who's now one of my clients, which is crazy. Um, his sister is now an Ohio state women's volleyball player. And I'm help. I was actually helping her strictly with mobility. So like I was literally like doing, you know, 30 minutes of mobility with her, like every time we met throughout the week. And cause like it's, people are finally accepting the fact that it's needed and it's necessary and, and we have to do it to feel and function in, in a very optimal way. And so, yeah, it's just, it's cool to see people now adopting it more. I actually, even a strength coach that was one of our assistants at the time, um, Blair, he, he's now like the assistant head of strength and conditioning and army. And like, I'm always like communicating with him on social. Cause I see him posting the stuff of them doing, you know, hip cars, shoulder cars, doing all this mobility and stuff. They're squatting deep. They're doing, and I just love it. Cause I'm like, dude, that's, that's how it should be. You know, that's, that's, that's really, you've adopted, you've kind of adapted with the times. And I, and I think you probably know this, but I feel like, especially in the strength and conditioning world, it can be very easy to get caught up in, in doing the same shit and not innovating, you know? Well, and those guys have a tough job too with whether people understand you're there to play football, right? You're not there to fucking lift, right? You're not there to do mobility. You are, but that's, they only have this small window. And I don't know at the pro level, I guess I'd have to like really go into the nuances of it, but they're typically at that point, I'm not saying guys aren't going to get stronger. And when you're younger, it's easier. You're, you're going to be, you're becoming a man, obviously. So you have like this natural testosterone through your body. So you're going to get stronger. You're going to get bigger when they become pros. I don't think people get like, I'm not saying Kevin Durant's not going to get way stronger. Mm-hmm. He might, you know what their goal is? Make sure he doesn't get fucking hurt. Don't get hurt. That's it. That's it. They're in, you guys are investments and the strength guy might want to do these three things, but at the end of the day, does it apply to the field? Like, and that's where, when you talk about like the, the shitty lifting and those things, a lot of these high school kids, if you're, if you're listening and you have younger high school kids, or you have kids who are getting into lifting and training. It's not like whose dick is bigger in the yeah. weight room. And that's always what it was. Like always when I grew, what it was. How much can you squat? How much can you bench? Deadlift. Those are the big three. Mm-hmm. And like maybe um, cleans, shit like that. I go, first of all, bro, I got the wrist of a of seven-year-old girl. <laughs> I'm not, fuck, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be as strong as I'm going to be, dude. Mm-hmm. I go, but does it apply to the court, to the field? And sometimes it transfers, but sometimes it doesn't where... You know, we grew up where it was not that much single leg stuff. Like we have like jammers and platforms, but it's back squat, back squat, back squat, maybe front squat with people with shitty shoulder mobility and super tight lats, which is a fucking disaster. And even the back squat's fucking terrible. But that was the metric. And I'm like, how many times when you're playing basketball, do you land perfectly? You just don't. And your normal gait is not perfect anyway. And football, the same thing. When you line up, like, is it, is that how you're really pushing? Well, dude, think about it. Like we... And I was just talking to the, the client of mine who I played with. I mean, if it goes directly with what you're saying, like think about like any sport, especially football, like when you're attacking someone on the field, like where's, where is your weight predominantly? Like it's on the ball of your foot, right? So why are we doing low bar back squats like powerlifters? With the heels always pushed with flat heels, through the floor. That was like 
put keep the heel like heels heels heel and it's like okay so we're loading ourselves bilaterally putting all the distributing all weight back onto our heels which in any attack position on the field in football you're like loaded up on the balls of your feet ready to ready to go unilaterally more than not yes meanwhile we're we're back squatting like like power lifters that's crazy i wish like hopefully that that is changing as the levels are lower yeah. But I do hear a lot of bullshit still from kids who for sure want to go train, and I I think that'll it'll go away at some point. Mm-hmm. But we're a ways, we're a while away, away for sure. <laughs> yeah. So what's the transition like? Like, so you go from being a scholarship guy on the lacrosse team. Like, are you good on the team, or do you play when you're a freshman in lacrosse, or no? I played a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was so kinda... you're, it's the the gap is not as big in lacrosse. As in football, correct? Yeah, like you're like I was riding, you know, second deep, third deep on the roster. I was a defenseman, so the long stick, um, close defenseman. So I was down by the goalie, and then I actually switched to defensive midfield because um, I was more athletic. I could move well, and at the time before I gained all the weight, and then I did inevitably move better after um, losing some of that weight when I was massive. But like, but how, yeah. how much more athletic are you at two forty than like two hundred pounds? so much more unathletic yeah because like even when during, you're because you're what how old 20 21 yeah i was probably like nine i was like 19 20 and still you could tell like oh yeah i suck i could not yeah oh yeah and so like i was kind of always bouncing around between you know um second third string on my my freshman season with the lacrosse team and then yeah like when you go to football i mean we've got five star guys like literally third string like five star recruits at third string guys and like think about like cardell jones like cardell jones was our third string quarterback and jt braxton go down he comes in to start wins us a national championship like it's crazy like you think about just the breakdown of the talent kind of like you're saying like the separation that people don't realize is ridiculous like i remember how daunting it would be like being someone who's like my only shot is like maybe to play special teams like and that before i was playing like that was my that was my number one thing I wanted to do was like get on special teams. It'd be so daunting, you know. They'd slap the you know punt team out there. They would slap the you know kickoff team, and you're like, they literally. I'm not kidding you. We'd have like me and my best friend Justin. We would we would always joke around like, hey man, are you in grade depth today? Because like on the piece of paper, like it was like the first three or four people were like in white, and then like the fifth and fourth string were like in gray. So we're like, you gray depth, bro. Like <laughs> it was, we were like joking around about it, but and that's, it's crazy. That's just to be on special teams. That's like just to be on punt. And you're playing for 30 seconds. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, think about that. Like for a normal person to listen, like you're doing all this work where you're spending all this time eating, training, sleeping, learning, whatever the schemes are. And like going mm-hmm. through your position to play in a game for maybe 30 seconds and what's crazy too is like as a walk-on when you're going through that like you're basically you know it is like so difficult to have like minimal self like negative self-talk like honestly because you're you got to think about it like when you're a walk-on like they really like they have no incentive to get you on the field like there's guys that like they like these coaches like they go out and they recruit these guys so like if those guys that they like if ex-coach if the guy he recruited isn't on the field head coach is like what the fuck is what, what are you doing like, who's this guy? So, like, these coaches have a – like, they literally have an incentive. Like, hey, these guys we recruit, they're getting on the field. This walk-on guy, like, fuck him, like, yeah. <laughs> to be real. And Because uh, well, it's their job. That's their job. It's just human nature. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, during my realm – and I know it's different a little bit under Ryan Day, but, like, when I was under Coach Meyer, who, you know, I really respect, who did a ton for me, um, and we have a good relationship, but he, you know, it, it was unheard of that walk-ons played. Like, it was, it was laughable. Like, I remember I actually had – 
um, you know, a group of friends that I ran with during that time period who were also walk-ons and I like dead ass serious, like we'd be at like a party or something, you know, drinking or whatnot. And they'd be like, dude, like, why are you trying? Like, you got to give it up, bro. Like, and I was just like, no, like deep. I'm like, kind of like, oh yeah. But then like deep down, I'm like, no, I'm going to fucking play here. And, uh, cause they are, they're on the team too. Oh yeah. They're on the team too. And, and they so, just have this hopelessness oh, inside yeah. them. They're like, there's no way. There's just like, it's, it was literally like what it seemed like on the team was like, if you were like, it, it was just, it was an impossibility almost to like play as a walk on. We had like one or two guys on the team who were like playing some special teams um, who like I kind of looked up to because I'm like shit like they were walk-ons but like they were kind of like the cutoff like they were the, they were the only guys in like the last several years who like legitimately got on the field as walk-ons so if you're in that role like you do it just because you want to say you're on the team like what is the mentality for most people like say hey I won a national championship at Ohio State like you tell me that and if you don't tell me the story I'm never going to ask yeah like I know you're not like the fucking dude, because I probably watched the game and I would have remembered it. I'm like, but if you told me, like, you're, I'm like, okay, you probably play a little bit. Oh, yeah. But I wouldn't know. Right. You're like, well, I watched it from the sidelines, too. I was actually 10 seats down from you, mm-hmm. which is fucking crazy. So when you're in that role, are those guys just like, well, I'm doing it just because, like, I want something to do or Sam on the team? Even because if, if you feel hopeless, like, why the fuck do it? So that that's kind of, so it's one of two things. Either one, you know, you're on the team to leverage, like, the connections, because, like, you know, the coaches and whatnot. Like if you, if you at least like work, if you do like work hard and go hard as a walk on, they, they like respect you. Like they'll know your name and like, they'll, they'll like respect you. So if you like, if you were like, say, Hey, I want to be a GA or I want to reference for a job and shit like that. Yeah. So they'll like, they'll, you know, they'll have your, they'll have your side and they'll have your back. If you're like trying to, you know, get a job or do this, like they're going to kind of like help you out during that time period. Or yeah, a lot of guys just like want to be like, yo, I'm on Ohio state's football team. Like, but I never want to be like that. Like, I'm like, if I'm going to do this. Because you can, like, hook up with chicks and shit. Yeah, just, like, silly shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, that's really what it is, right? Right. I yeah. mean, if I was 19, I'd be like, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Like, Who are guys, you? Oh, yeah, start. I'm well, a, we would, we would always laugh because, like, the uh, you could always tell, like, who a walk-on was. Because if you'd walk around campus, like, you'd see, like, head to toe. Ohio State football, Ohio State football, Ohio State football, Ohio State football. Like, the shoes, the, the <laughs> you know, pants, the shirt, the, the, the backpack. And so, um yeah, it was like you wanted to use it kind of as a beacon of like I'm Ohio State football player. So that would say like those are the two main incentives for most of the guys on the team. But yeah, dude, to to put it in perspective, like from me joining the team to me graduating and leaving, I'm not kidding you, like probably between like 40 and 50 walk-ons that I saw come and go because it's like you are literally sacrificing everything. Like we are only break. Like what's a like what's a well, do this. Like a a normal lacrosse kind of day. Yeah. And then like a normal football kind of day. So I'll just describe it in season because off season is just kind of different because it is less because like you're just training. Um, you don't have the practice. You don't have the film. But yeah, to like put things in perspective, like when I was playing lacrosse, like you're probably dedicating during season, you know, like a couple hours, like two to three hours, probably like mandatory. You're there a day during season, not counting games. Our practice block for Ohio State football, just the just the block that we had to block out of our schedule for classes was was two to seven. So five hours. And that wasn't accounting for showing up early to get a meal in and then like staying late to get get rehab, do extra film. So like on any given day, like I'm at the facility like one to eight PM and you're taking literally all of your classes from eight to noon. So like during season, like I'm literally going like eight to eight nonstop. 
And like from like I remember, I'll never forget like my first week on the team because we had to get like study table hours too. I'm like, when the fuck am I going to do that? And so like my first week, literally on the football team, I just remember it being like literal like chaos like it's like do this do this and like you're trying to balance all this shit and it's like it almost seemed like un it almost seemed impossible like after that first week um and now you kind of see why so many walk-ons like came and went because it's like you're literally like giving like you're like it's almost like why the fuck would i do this like you're giving up all this time you're doing all these things for literally nothing like no return on this effort and on your time and so it's extremely daunting and a lot of people like hype themselves up like oh like i want to be it's kind of like this it's kind of like what we do it's like oh i want to be a trainer okay well do you want to go through all this bullshit to to be to be a successful one to be a good one like do you want to go through all the the nitpick administrative stuff you know like doing the PNL sheets like you always talk about are you willing to do all those things to be a successful trainer and so or to like, or to maybe not even to, then there's no guarantee it works and there's no guarantee it works it's the same thing it's the same thing that sucks so there's dude. a lot of parallel well because it looks fancy from the outside right where you're oh like, yeah it, it does it seems cool like and then you're like I had to be there from like I had to go to school till noon I had to be here for seven more hours mm-hmm. like fuck you and those are like the best kind of years of your not, they're not the best years of your life i shouldn't say it that way um i'm way happier now than i was then yeah <laughs> but it was still fucking awesome dude because oh, yeah. you're like getting shit faced you're hooking up with chicks and you're playing sports it's mm-hmm. pretty badass dude and when i was a savage so it's like yeah, that's what you do that, yeah. that's your way because when you're old you can't do that you're just a creep you're right but in that young window you can <laughs> but when it's like you're not playing though oh yeah like that would suck it's that's so daunting that would be hard to say like hey this is what i want to do but well i guess what for people listening you can go be the guy at other places. Oh like, yeah. That's the, like, like where I, yeah. you say the quarterbacks. I remember like when I'm in college, just at Miami's Miami. Mm-hmm. So like that team is like, uh, Frank Gore is there. Willis McGahee is there. Uh, Najee Davenport is there. Those are all just running backs. Mm-hmm. They're all NFL dudes. What the fuck? Kellen Winslow is the fucking backup to Jeremy Shockey. Like you go down the list. I'm like, these are fucking Insane. the best dudes. And I'll go, the third guy is mm-hmm. the best guy at Pitt. Mm-hmm. The second guy is the best guy at Wisconsin. But the, they're all on the same team. And then you're just some dude who walked in like, oh, I'm going to play. Yeah. And it's like, bro, they're like, just they – got you? They got something you don't do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're – and I don't, I don't mean this like in a slight to anybody, but you're actually like going to class. Yeah. I'm not saying everybody doesn't go to class, bro. But let's just be <laughs> real here. Like when Carmelo Anthony's at Syracuse, oh. he's not fucking going to class, dude. He's a pro already. And I think some of these places, I'm not saying guys don't go to class, but it's different. Oh, yeah. They're not trying the same because they're probably not going to get the degree and they probably don't give a shit. And that's the difference where, like, you need to because you are going to have a job. I'm going to have a plan B. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah that's a lot of commitment just mm-hmm. to do that with no guarantee that it will ever work. Zero guarantee. So, how, and you just kept saying, like, it's you just had this belief, like, hey, man, I'm going to just do it no matter what. I really did. I, I really had this deep belief and I had, you know, amazing parents. So shout out to my mom and dad. Cause they were always, and my sisters too. But like, I just had a very, very supportive family who was always like very encouraged, encouraging of my <laughs> crazy optimism of wanting to do that and wanting to play. Um, so yeah, I had the support of them. And so when you said, Hey man, I'm going to quit my scholarship playing this sport and just pay to play this sport. They're not like you're a dumbass. Right. So that's another thing. Yeah. So most parents I know, they're like, no, you're keeping that scholarship, blah, blah, blah. But they were like, no, look, if this is what you feel like you have to do, like we will support it. And if you, if you feel like you're going to have regrets, like we're, we were going to support it. So I I did always have an amazing supportive family growing up throughout that whole process. Very foundational. I think it almost like 
I didn't grow up in like an athletic family. Like my dad, crazy thing, but like my dad didn't play one sport, literally not one sport. My mom was actually the athlete. She played like club in college, but that's it. And then like my relatives, like I, we didn't really have anybody in my family that played any sports. And I think it actually worked out to like my benefit because I didn't have that like crazy dad or crazy mom who's like, you have to do this, like making all the decisions for me. And looking back, it's crazy how much autonomy they really did give me. Like my dad, even like during the whole recruiting process, he's like, look, like you're going to, you're going to communicate with these coaches. Like, cause he saw like these other, you know, parents like getting so involved, like making them like do this, do that basically forcing the kid into these different decisions. And he was like, look, like you're going to do the communication, like, and all this, like, if you want to go set up this visit, like call that coach. And so like, I literally did like all of that. And I feel like that changed kind of who I was, especially at such a young age. It helped me like really mature where I'm, you know, talking to these like high level college coaches and college programs, like at such a young age. And so I think it actually worked in my favor that I didn't have relatives and family like breathing down my neck. It was just very like they pulled back a lot and we're just like, look, like we're going to just guide you in, in, in whatever direction you want to take. And so that was definitely probably like the most foundational piece that, that got me through because I did have so many people like, what are you doing? You're crazy. Like, why are you trying to do this? So, like literally, like I said, like legitimate, like friends of mine who were like telling me to my face, like, dude, like, why are you even trying? Like no one plays like the walk-ons don't play, bro. Like, why are you trying? And so, yeah. And so like when you start to play, do you like text them like, Hey, fuck you asshole. Yeah. I kind of, <laughs> yeah. I, I posted something on social media. Like you have to do a blanket one. Yeah, you can't yeah. do it directly to each person. <laughs> right. Well, and you, you tell the story, like your parents, like how they kind of just let you do it. Cause they didn't know where, right. I think sometimes when you know too much as a parent and I'm out of parents, I'm not judging anybody, but you fuck them up, dude. Oh, yeah. And what I mean is we will joke, especially when we worked with kids. And we were, and I'm talking like from young kids to high school kids. We've had some studs here like that have played professional basketball. Nice. Like they were good. And typically the kids that are worse, the parents talk more shit. 100%. And the kids that are like legit good, the parents kind of just let them do their thing. And I don't know. It doesn't always match up that way. But when you're pushing this kid to do something, I'm like, he's not going to do it. They're going to resent it. You have to love it doing it, especially like as you start to get better. I'm like, you can't want it for him. You can't make it for him or push him a certain way. And I do see, we, I don't know if it's like helicopter parenting or what it is. It's a weird where they take it. We see it now here with like soccer and shit. Mm -hmm. These kids are like fucking eight years old, nine years old. And the parents are like, oh, we spent 10 grand on like the soccer. I go, what are we doing here? Yeah. Your kid sucks. And I don't mean that negatively. Like we all sucked at 10. Dude, oh, for sure. At everything. Yeah, we're taking it so, like, now it's sport-specific. He's going to play one sport from 10. I go, you can't fuck him up any worse, mm -hmm. which is weird. So at least you didn't have that because then you probably wouldn't have no. done the same thing. That would have been like, man, you're going to play lacrosse. This is what it's going to be. You have to do this, and then it's over. Mm -hmm. So how eventually how does it work from you're going and looking at these sheets where you're, like, fifth on the depth chart or, or not even fucking on it to, like, okay, maybe – I have a chance to, to actually play and like be on the team. And not that you're not on the team. Like, I think I don't want to say this people who listen, the, there is a role. There's always a role for, for, for walk on. Yeah. So too, like you serve a purpose. They don't just keep you around just to be nice. No, like you're the guys are actually good. Yeah. Like you could go play at 200 other schools oh, for sure and be awesome. You're choosing to be here. So with that said, when are you looking like, okay, I might actually like yeah, have play, a play football. Right. Um, so as I kind of got toward, I got like a little bit of, you know, attention from some coaches. I, I kind of started to go from that realm of like literally a nobody to like, okay, I'm kind of one of those like household walk-ons that like coaches kind of respect, but like still nowhere near playing. 
Um, is it just because you work hard? Or yeah, you're, you're yeah. Good? Like if you, it, pretty much like if you're a walk on and like you sh- you like really go hard in the off season, like you're you're like really pushing it hard in the in the strength and conditioning side of things, and like you're you're really playing hard on like scout team and like in the different roles they they give you, um, they just start to respect you. Um, but obviously in the back of their minds are like this kid's never gonna play here. Um, but anyway. Yeah, I kind of started to get the interest of some of the coaches and like the players were starting to respect me a little bit. And then as I started to transition into what was my senior year, um, I had two years left, like I was saying, but it was I was going into my senior year. So we were approaching fall camp of um, I guess that would have been like 2016, 2017 range. And me and one of my, he's my best friend, you know, to this day, Justin Hilliard. So shout out to Justin. But me and him, he was kind of like, he was a five-star guy at a high school, like came from a huge powerhouse high school in Cincinnati. His story is like insane. Um, but yeah, he was like a five-star recruit and ended up getting like plagued with this. This kid had so many injuries. He's playing in the NFL right now. And he literally like tore his one bicep twice, tore another bicep, Jesus. tore, tore something in his, tore his Achilles, like. Um, and just like a bunch of injuries and the, the kid's just a resilient monster. And anyway, going into that final year, me and him actually roomed together for camp. And you want to talk about like time commitment, our fall camp is, was by far like, that was the most, like you want a stamina and like a mental and physical stamina test. Like that is it. Like we are literally like getting, we were getting woken up from the hotel at 6 a.m. And you're like not going back to the hotel until like 10 p.m. And when you do, all you want to do is like fuck off and like watch Netflix. And like you literally can't. Like it's like you got to go to bed or else you're screwing yourself for the next day. So you're in like this two-week hell period of like literally waking up, going going in at 6, coming back with, with it being nighttime, and then just repeat for two weeks, weekends and all. And so it's like hell. And so me and him going into my senior year and him kind of going into, I guess it would have been like his true sophomore year because he's two years younger than me. We both told each other, we're like, yo, look, like, let's hold each other accountable. We've been plagued with like serious amounts of adversity. Let's just band together, hold each other accountable, give it literally every, we have nothing to fucking lose. Like he's been battling with injuries. I've been really trying to freaking play. And like, we got nothing to lose. Let's band together. Let's hold each other accountable and bring literally everything we got every single day of every day in camp. And then either one thing's going to happen, we're either going to play, we're going to get noticed, we're going to get the respect that we deserve, or that we thought we deserved, um, or we're not going to play. And if we don't, we know we absolutely just, like, gave it everything we had. Yeah. And so we banded together and did that. And it, it literally sounds fake, but, like, that camp, I remember, like, the first time Coach Meyer, like, he, like, told me, like, stand up in front of the team because I made some play. And he was just like – you know, who's this guy? And then, and then like, that's when they kind of started to really notice. And then as I started to like do better and better throughout that camp, they started to, you know, put me closer to starting on special teams. Um, and then literally in that first game we had, I was, I made it up. So I finally got up to like second. I, I remember I was like second string on like a couple of the special teams and I was like true second string. Cause like the three to five, you're like, you're not even, you're not going to play. But if you're, if you're too deep, like you actually like, they're counting on you. Like when we're doing like walkthroughs and shit, like you are doing the walkthroughs and stuff. Cause like if that person, if a person goes down, like you are literally up next. And so I was like riding that like too deep slot going into that final year, like almost there. I was so close. Like after that camp, I'm like, damn, like I'm real close. And then like literally our first game against Bowling Green, um, the person in front of me goes down hurt and I literally go in the game and on punt team. And it was like, the most emotional experience ever. Cause like 
all that hard work, it just like hits you and you're like, holy shit, like this is crazy. And I remember it was actually literally because you're practicing for years, years, like doing this for years. And like, Jesus, finally, like, bang, numbers called. You're you're literally fucking in the game. And like, I remember like blacking out because like you're literally in front of one hundred and ten thousand people. It is like the craziest environment ever. Like you've been dreaming of this moment and like you get it. And, uh, yeah, the rest is kind of history. Literally. That was like my 21st birthday. I remember like after the game, I literally like met up with my parents and was like crying. Cause I was like, it's literally all I work for, you know, like this is like all the shit that I've been, you know, putting up with for years and years and years. And it was like, just so worth it. And so, yeah, literally that's, that's when it started. That's when I started playing. And then, you know, after that game, I started at punt, like the rest of the year started on kickoff return, started on, um, some of the other special teams and then, yeah. That's crazy. So for years, now suddenly like you play for 10 seconds. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like literally it's like a 10, like how yeah. long does that play? 10 seconds? Oh yeah. So if, fast. if you even remember it, you probably don't. No. Which is fucking crazy, dude. So you, and you said this for a second, like when, is there a difference when you're there and like these, the walk on dudes or the dudes who are lower and the top dudes, is everybody just like, yeah, we're on the same team and respect each other. Or is this weird dynamic of like, I'm going to be in the NFL next year. And you're gonna we're working at Wells Fargo. So I think at other places I've heard it's there's a huge separation. But to be quite honest, like I really do applaud the coaches at Ohio State and just the players too, um, especially the guys that I was around. Because like you're, you're young. Yeah, you're so young, and like these guys are actually like really cool. And it's it's like I feel like it's just totally hit or miss too. Like some of the guys like <laughs> like just didn't like some players for some reason. But like they, everyone was like actually like pretty pretty cool. Like everyone there wasn't like a huge gap. Like, with some guys there were, but I would say, like, for the most part, like, the guys that were, like, the all-stars and stuff were actually, like, really cool with some of the walk-ons. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, because I always wondered, and I think, like, the, the I think if you look at pro teams, too, the ones that were the culture, like, if it's the Patriots, for example, yeah. like, it doesn't fucking matter who, like, you know Brady's Brady when he's there, right. but he's not a asshole. Right. And they kind of squashed the egos there. And I think, like, from speaking to Tyler Owens, the same thing at Bama. Like, mm-hmm. everybody's kind of, like... It's a team thing. For sure. Where, and I've had conversations with him about other places, and I won't say the names of them, but he's like, it's not the same. No. Where they treat it like, we're going to spend, we spend money on this. This is a fucking business. This is a machine. This is a thing. And everybody's kind of like, we all want to win. Not just, you know, when you get to some, in any sport, like, you care about your own shit because you have to. You're a human. Yeah. But you care about the team winning. For sure. And I think, like, the top programs all kind of share the same stuff, I'd yeah. imagine. Mm-hmm. And you say, like, and obviously Urban Meyer's your coach at the time. Does, do these – and, again, that's what I always wonder with football. Basketball is so different. Like, you're playing at, like, Kentucky. Like, Cal Perry knows your name. Mm-hmm. There's only 15 dudes. And, you know, three of the probably preferred walk-ons and then the 12 other guys. And they might even have 15, might have 13 guys. You know them all. It's mm-hmm. a small team. Football is fucking huge. Huge. They don't even know your name. There's no way. There's no way you can even know all the other players' names. Because you didn't. Yeah, I mean, it took a long time <laughs> to, to, you know to meet everybody. Yeah, like if you're I know the, exactly what you mean. Like, cause we've had friends too that played in college, and it's like I'm like, dude, he's like, well, that guy played defense, and he's a freshman. Like, I don't fucking know who he was, mm-hmm. you know. And maybe he was a walk on, and yeah. so that's like this weird thing. When does it come where you're like, oh, because you're on a that's it's fucking crazy to me because I never played football because I'm built like a little girl. <laughs> I go, but no offense, and I mean that in the most positive way, everybody. But you're on a team, and the coach doesn't know your fucking name. Mm-hmm. and you're dying here every day dying like i guess the way i think of it now is like you work for amazon mm-hmm. jeff bezos don't know your name no that's the same thing same thing and you're dying there every day you're working yeah. in the factory fucking 80 hours a week eating shit and 
him and the 10 levels down, like who knows your name when you're a walk-on? Like just like the position coach? Yeah, like the position coach knows your name. A couple other coaches, like training staff is pretty cool with you. But, I mean, you they make you almost feel like you don't belong. Like they, they, they test you. I remember when I first joined the team, we didn't even work out. We didn't even lift on the racks. They, they were like down by the dumbbells. Like all walk-ons lifted at the dumbbells. And I remember there was like an ongoing joke because like the dumbbells maxed out at like 150, I think. And this was back when I was like 230, 240 yeah. uh, when I was at my biggest state. And I would just like always do the 150s. And they're like, all right, what the fuck? Like we got to get this kid on a rack. <laughs> but uh, That's crazy. But yeah, I mean, they literally would like separate you. Like you were you were down at the dumbbells. And then like when, when you didn't travel for games, there'd be like this hellacious like Friday workout that like all walk-ons and non-travel people had to do. And it was terrible. <laughs> like, and what is that? I imagine like if I was a kid and I'm playing and it's like, I've just went to practice all week and the team's going there and I'm just sitting here and watching on TV. Mm-hmm. Like that's gotta be the worst. Huh? Oh yeah. There was like, like, you feel like shit. You feel like shit. Oh yeah. For a long time I felt like shit where it was like, I'm just this walk on nobody guy. And I want to be this thing. Like I want to be this guy on the team. I want to be playing. I want to be part of this thing. And like I was always going after that and that it just, I honestly looking back, like when we talk about it, like I honestly don't even know how I did it because like it was extremely daunting and trust me, like I go before me and I said the whole story about Justin and I kind of banded together. Like before that, like I, there was conversations with my parents where I'm like, I like really think I'm going to quit. Like I'm not even like getting home. Like we, our Christmas break was like a couple days. Like you go home, we practiced on Christmas one day, one year. And so it's like, you're literally only your only break year round was spring break. Like we had one week, that's it. And then like you're literally there all summer. You're there all season, obviously. Like with the stuff you got to do in season, you're there all off season. So it's like it's a year round thing. And so yeah, man. I mean, it was like it was insanely discouraging. And I think that's why this story and just that whole experience plays such a huge role in my life and my attitude toward life because that's really when I learned what heart like what what is really what is working hard actually actually mean like what is what is resiliency what is like having a relentless effort really mean and that's where I truly feel like I learned those things and it took it it went with me and everything else I did after and so do you you have your girlfriend at the time no No. so we met we met uh after college okay because I'm like if you're dating somebody like I'm just picturing like if it's me and I'm like, and again, so now we joke now, I got young ki- kids your age that work with me here and they have worked with me for years. Yeah. And you, when you're young, you do this. This is what dudes do. <laughs> dudes lie when they're younger to make it seem like they're better than they are. Oh, for sure. Um, which is the biggest mistake. And I'm going to give everybody a little bit of fucking <laughs> life advice here. Um, when you're young, you, this is, we call them $30,000 millionaires. You've heard of it. Like the kid is dead broke. He leases an apartment, but he drives a fucking BMW, shows up bottle service. He wears fancy clothes, whatever the fuck. <laughs> And that's the, that's what he's selling to this girl. So this girl buys into that. Like, this is what she thinks it is. And then later on, she figures out he has no fucking money. And he's mm-hmm. a shit show. I go, if you're a dude listening, um, I would have done that in college too, by the way. Um, what you should do is the opposite. And I say this all the time. If, if my wife was to, like, drop dead tomorrow, which I hope does not happen, knock on wood, Heather, um, I go, my biggest fear would be, like, I meet someone now because I have, like, way more money. Mm-hmm. I'm like a real person. I have some social skills. When I met my wife, I had fucking no job and no money. I was a complete fucking loser. <laughs> yeah. I go, so I got a real one. Yeah. I go, but dudes do do the opposite. So I'm thinking like if you're, you know, in college and you're just a normal dude who testosterone runs through your body, you're just in savage mode, right? Like you're all dudes are predators. Let's just be honest. That's that we have one goal and it's really never going to change. So you're there and like, Hey, I play on the football team. And then Saturday comes 
but you're not right there at the game. Yeah. You're just like in your fucking dorm room. Oh yeah. Like that would suck shit. Oh, it's terrible. And then like even so even when I did get to the point where I started like dressing for the games, you wouldn't even so like the team every night, which this was super dope. Like we have this really nice hotel on campus called the Blackwell and like we literally the team would stay in there every Friday night and it was super dope. Like my senior year like me and Justin's, we stayed together in the same uh, room on, like, home games and away games. But, like, you could literally see the stadium, like, from my bed. And it was just, like, super dope. But, like, if you before that point, like, when you're just, like, a nobody, they literally have you, like, walk. You walk to the stadium, like, from where you live. So, like, you're, <laughs> I'm, like, living in this off-campus house literally, like, on a Saturday. Like, and if you've ever been – I don't know if you've ever been to Columbus on a game day, but it's, like, fucking insanity. It's like this – it's like Wisconsin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, tail, fucking, tailgate yeah. mode everywhere. People drinking on their front lawns and stuff. And, like, here I come strolling through, decked out in, in Ohio State football gear, literally, like, walking through all these drunk people to the stadium. And you're just like, I feel like, who the fuck am I? Like, what yeah. am I doing right now? It's probably cool. I mean, they, they probably know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then they kind of look at you and they're like, is he like a cheerleader? Or like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> Which is so crazy. It's like, crazy. You put in all that time and all that to maybe get a chance. And I, I, I phrase it that way just because you obviously work in fitness now. And you see how people, the failure rate is high. Uh, people quit so easily. But they're putting in so much less time yes. for such a bigger payoff. And I don't mean to say like your time there wasn't a big payoff for you. I go, the journey for you was more than playing in the actual games. And I'll ask about how dope that was in a second. I go, oh, for sure. but the journey of it is way cooler than playing in the game. Because like if you're in the NFL, it's a, probably a different thing. It's just there's levels to all of it. These guys, you're asking them to work out a couple days a week and there's a guaranteed payoff. Mm-hmm. There, there's not a if like, but what you're doing is being there for seven, eight hours a fucking day every day for years to maybe play for 15 fucking seconds at a time and still doing it. Yet you work with people now who could show up for 90 minutes a week <laughs> and get guaranteed results. And I don't mean like you're, you're going to be shredded. I go, but 90 minutes a week, if you're training, you're going to get stronger. You're going to have better mobility. Mm-hmm. You're going to have better aerobic endurance. That's guaranteed to you. 100%. So like when you, when you talk with people now – there has to be part of you where you're just like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, I think... I like, don't mean that negatively. Just like how <laughs> like how we are compared to you. Like if you watch like Yellowstone or something. Oh, right? yeah, or or 18, 1883. Or like The Revenant with Leonardo Care. We're the softest fucking humans that have so ever existed. Soft. I'm watching 1883 with my wife. Tim McGraw killed fucking 15 people in the first <laughs> yeah. five minutes. And I go, bro, this is their life, dude. Crazy. I go, we're sad if like the Wi-Fi is slow. Mm-hmm. And so for you to do all that and then work with normal people... There has to be not a disconnect, but just this like you gave up so much for I don't want to say so little, but so little of the actual thing you were really working for where these guys aren't giving up as much, but are getting so much more. Well, it's like you said, like just the the mindset we kind of have now as a society and as a culture, you know, I mean, I, I firmly agree with you. You know, I think, you know, so many people out there, they it's all it's all the limits of your perspective, I feel like like in your own experiences. So like if someone hasn't gone through that journey, hasn't worked like the things we're talking about that I may have gone through, like they're just not going to have that same perspective. And, you know, it is, it is difficult sometimes, but you know, I do have empathy, you know, for people at certain times, but at the same token, I also feel like a lot of, we have a very, we have an entitlement problem. We have a huge, huge entitlement problem as a culture and as a society where we're like, okay, we do this one thing. We expect these 10 things versus like, 
let's the opposite of like, let's maybe do these 10 things to maybe get this one thing kind of like what we're talking about. And I just think that, you know, I, that's why I encourage people. And that's why fitness is so awesome is like, do hard shit. Like it's going to make you better. Like you go through these things, you go through an experience like we're talking about that shit changed my whole entire life, my whole entire perspective on just working hard in general. And so I think like, if you're someone who hasn't done something like that, I encourage you to just like, keep doing, keep placing yourself in environments of discomfort, keep placing yourself in environments that are challenging, that are hard. Like you will be better for it. Those lessons you learn to overcome it are going to matter so much more than anything else. And yeah, I just think we just have a very big entitlement problem <laughs> as a culture and as a society. Well, it's hard because like you're doing something where you just have this belief that to do it, maybe there's a chance it works out for sure. Where this well, general fitness is obviously different. So I was just, I was curious cause I'm like, it's a lot. Oh yeah. Um, but that's like anything. It's like running a business. It's like getting education. It's just, people have a hard time connecting it to fitness. Cause maybe as a profession, you know, we've sold not you and I, but the world has sold them, you know, six pack abs and six sure. minutes and all the kind of horseshit stuff along the way. Um, <laughs> I'll ask this real quick. Cause I don't want to forget to ask. Yeah. This. Like when you are like really like going to play, like when you play in a game, like legitly, like, and I'm assuming the facilities there are pretty legit. Oh yeah. In terms insane. of training and stuff. Absolutely insane. Like when you're going to play, like whether it is game day or something and what is it like, how that feeling you're never going to get back. Never. That's the one thing I will say, like the journey to you is more important. And even if for people who, if you're the guy who's in the pros now, you remember the games you played and that stuff. I go, but there's something to be said about the work that went into it, not just the trophy at the end. But like when you're in the game and it kicks off and there's a hundred fucking 20,000 people, like you'll never replace that energy. Never. And it's like you always say on this podcast, Jeremy, it's like, this is your game day. You know, you coming in here, throwing, throwing shit around. That's your game day. And it's like, the closest thing I'll ever get to going back. Get. And yeah. so for me, you know, she's seen me. <laughs> But, you know, I, I, you know, I obviously push myself hard in my training and like people will be like, you know, why the hell you do that to yourself? I'm like, dude, this is like, this is it. Like, this is how I get the slightest, like, like one, feeling, like 1%, like 1% of that feeling of going down. Like you said, and you literally start the game. That's what's so cool about kickoff too, is like, you start the tempo of the game. Like that's like peak fan base, peak environment. And like, yeah, that's the only way I'm going to replicate that is me, you know, digging deep, like. 15 20 cows on an echo bike like that's the only time i'm gonna get that feeling of it's shitty but it's also the best feeling in the world yeah that's the one thing i would tell people like you'll never you'll never get that back never it doesn't it and i think that's why like and i'm not a fan of i mean let me let me rephrase this crossfit's great for what it is um i get why people are addicted to parts of it because there's something that's similar to them mm -hmm. yeah i don't really like the the format of which most people compete right. in, because I think the risk of injury outweighs the risk of reward for most fit, as does football for uh, obviously indeed. a lot of people. Yeah. But yeah, you'll never get that competitive like feeling of that back again. Yeah, that'd be the only thing, just to like feel the juice for like one more day. Oh, for sure. Like that would be. Yeah, yeah. I would say like my, like the the coolest experience, probably, on that field was when we were playing my senior season. And, like, this is a moment that, like, I'll take with me forever. But I just remember, like, my senior season, we were playing Penn State at home. It was a night game. And our, our the rivalry between Penn State – it's almost – we've almost created, like, a rivalry with Penn State, like, even more so than Michigan because they've been terrible. Not honestly funny, though, because they beat us last year. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, we were playing Penn State at night, 
and we were literally losing 20 it was 21 nothing this is i don't know if, if you like watch much college football yeah I but like, it was like that game where we were wearing like those gray jerseys like alternate jerseys and all this crap but we were getting smacked like it was literally home game under the lights 100 100 plus thousand people getting smacked 21 nothing in the first quarter i think saquon barkley takes one back on us literally opening kickoff you probably seen like yeah. you saw videos of that shit and he literally first kickoff of the whole game takes it back we're like we're screwed um not really like we had positive mindset but deep down we're kind of like fuck and um so we just kind of like start getting some momentum back i remember at halftime like it was very emotional like a lot of the seniors and people were just like t- speaking up i even said i remember i even said something i think in that game at halftime and then you know we came out and like we were just a whole different ball team we started chipping away started coming back um and we literally like in the fourth quarter literally finally tied the game with like not a lot of time left like we tied the game um they had almost returned another kickoff on us and i'll never forget this and i know you're fine with like no filter and all that so i'll I'll, like literally say it how they said it but urban meyer like he was very involved with special teams that's like a piece i kind of left out but he like which was super cool because like he he was so involved like he decided who was on kickoff he decided who was on punt it wasn't like the special teams guy it was like those two those two special teams were like his babies and so he would he would obviously coach us up before we'd like run on the field and he literally looked at us he's like some like somebody has to make a fucking play like I don't give a fuck who it is. Like someone has to go down and literally make a play. Like this man cannot return the ball on us. Like we just tied the game. It's the biggest game of our season right now. We're undefeated. Like crazy. Ten- intensity. The intensity is like way up. And so I just remember in that moment just having like the most absurd tunnel vision like overcome me because like on kickoff like you're getting blindsided left and right. And so like you're kind of like looking for blockers, but you're me and Justin would joke we'd be like. We're just running down with like no regard. Like you just have to have like no regard and just like lock in and like make the play. And so I remember like that, that kickoff happens and it's almost like a Cinderella story with like Justin, he was, he's a little bit faster than me and he was, we were on kickoff right next to each other, literally like right next to each other. And you know, kickoff happens. He gets down there like a split second before me and he hits Saquon and then I'm, I finish and I make the play on him on like, it was like inside the 10, it was like on like the eight yard line. And I just remember the stadium went like fucking crazy. And like the whole, the whole team like was going nuts and like celebrating. Cause like we knew like, Hey, we get him on the inside the 10, like we're stopping him on defense and we're scoring and winning this, this football game. And so literally after that play, we stop him on defense, score touchdown, win the game. And think about that. Like if you took like in those, like that's, you do it for years for like these Moments. probably yeah the one you'll probably remember forever but if you took like hey if you and maybe you figured this out already how many hours and i do the time stuff all the time and it <laughs> yeah. drives me fucking nuts dude it's really depressing when you figure it out yeah like i practiced this many hours mm-hmm. and i played this much time like it's like it's crazy like you're talking like minutes or maybe like an hour mm-hmm. for like hundreds and hundreds and if you want to go back to like high school like thousands of hours oh yeah of practice which is crazy yeah for this but it's not just that, though, and that's what I think that that's the takeaway of the the whole story of your stuff is just it's not like the trophy of no playing and doing that. It's it's, it's the journey, and that's anybody who's lost a hundred pounds, anybody who's paid off a hundred thousand dollars of credit card debt. It's yeah, the end thing is cool. Like they celebrated, one hundred twenty thousand people didn't cheer for me when it paid off my house. I didn't give a fuck. Yeah, I go when you tackled him, they did. I go, but that's not what you did it for. Mm. It's the stuff you learn along the way to be able to do that one thing, which really is the story. Absolutely. So when you, let me go this way. Um, 
when you're done with school or you're like wrapping up, I guess, did you guys, what did you do that? What was that year? You lost national championship? My senior year? Yeah. So we actually, we played USC in the Cotton, Cotton Bowl. Bowl. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. And we smacked them. That was a good game. That's what it was. Because what did you, you lost how many games that year? One. Oh, man. A couple? I think we lost one. I, I remember yeah. I looked at it. Yeah. Because Alabama won that year. Yes. I think. Yep. Yeah. Because I was trying to look. Because remember, like, Tyler Owens was here. Those fuckers went all the time. Yeah, because that was the year. Yeah, that was the year that they blocked the, uh, Michigan – or no, Penn State, I think, blocked our punt. And I think that – I'm pretty sure Penn State was the loss that year. Because I've had some dudes here go to, like, the whiteout game at Penn State. Oh, dude, crazy. Oh, I played that in that. fucking yeah. nuts, dude. It's crazy. Like, I'm not a huge big crowd person, and that seems like a nightmare. But if I got, like, a super dope box, like, I yeah. would go to that for sure. I would say, Penn, like, the two away game, the two best, like, other stadiums that we've – obviously, Michigan is, like, awesome. But I got to say, like, from my experience, like, Michigan or, or uh, Wisconsin and Penn State were, like, insanity because like the year we played wisconsin we went into like three overtimes and ended up winning but the stadium was like i mean dude it was like it was mayhem and then yeah the whiteout at penn state they like you walk through this tunnel underneath the bleachers and like the students are like savages they're just like cussing at you throwing throwing shit like they're going crazy and like it's just wild yeah because i remember our dude um was it must have been last year because adam went to auburn okay and then auburn played at Penn State, and that was the whiteout game. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, dude, it's fucking bonkers, It's man. crazy. Yeah, it does look cool. Yeah. Uh, so you go through school. I guess I'll ask this real quick. The training um, from high school to college. Like, so when you're training at Ohio State, when you get off the dumbbell rack. Oh, yeah. What, um, what does a training program look like for you guys? Typically, like, if it's – whether it's in-season, out-of-season, whatever you want to break down. Yeah, I would say um, in-season was very, like, maintenance. You know, go in, get your lift in, maintain strength, maintain muscle mass. That was kind of the goal. Obviously, in the off-season, you know, we're pushing the performance component of it. We are doing, you know, some of the ollie lifts. We're doing, you know, clean pulls, power cleans. No full, you know, range of motion, so literally just all the power movements. And we, I don't think we did much snatching, but, yeah, we did those. Did our typical, you know, bilateral compound movements like your back squat, your front squat, um, trap bar deadlift for mobility reasons. So thank God they did that and not made us conventional. Cause that would have been ugly. Um, well, especially <laughs> if you're doing it and the load is not so heavy, yeah. like again, no, you, there's no lift. Anybody ever has to do like, do I still barbell deadlift? I do, but I'm like, I've done it for fuck dude. Over, oh, for sure. over 20 years now. And yeah. again, I understand load and volume and it's not like I'm not doing this one rep bullshit. Yeah. Like it's, the volume, even if the volume's less, like we might do the, cause Dan John had one where we made it three reps cause I'm a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> cause Dan John did, it was like the kind of the goal of strength was, could you do three fifteen um, barbell deadlift, um, for two reps, every minute on the minute for 30 minutes. Right. We just took it to three cause yeah. I have the base for it. I go, but his, his is a great metric of strength for like a normal person. For sure. And like, you probably see it now, like how, I don't want to say this negatively how not strong like a normal person is. Oh, it's yeah. Cause like what people don't realize is like, and I didn't realize this until like recently, well not recently, but when I became a trainer and like really started engulfing myself in the technicalities of this profession. But like people don't realize that like, like a good, like a good rep is like, can, can I move through the actual like full range of motion, like under that load? Like, it doesn't matter if it's cause like there are people like even me on certain movements, like there's certain movements I can like absolutely load up completely. Like, for reps, but it's like, I'm working the full range of motion. I'm, I'm, I'm working the, you know, the reps to almost like as close to perfection as I can at that load. But I think for so many of us, we like, 
we just look at like the weight and then did we did we act did we get it done not not like what did it really look like it's just like did we do it? Just moving it from point A to B. Point B. Point A to point B. Yeah. And when you look at a normal, and I mean, when I say a normal person, again, fourteen percent of people have gym memberships, so you have right. to start there. A normal person can't do f- anything. First no. of all, a normal person is in America, sadly, is probably going to be overweight. Oh um, yeah. In five years, if they're not now, um, over half will be obese. So oh, like, yeah. th- this is the baseline I'm talking about. But even people who like train, there's a huge difference huge. between people who have lifted forever and a normal person. And I still notice it now. Like when I, I'll meet a guy who comes in here and, you know, looks fit, relatively strong. And I see the loads they're doing. I'm like, and I don't mean this like I'm awesome in any way, but I'm like, I'm fucking old, dude. And I'm like, God, I'm so much stronger than you, bro. Mm-hmm. And like from like, a, I have this like man strength or whatever, but I've just done it for so long. Mm-hmm. And you start to see like, okay, this is where their cap is. For sure. And I'm saying for you guys, because you're probably pushing. And I don't know how important it was there, like in terms of like if the strength coaches gave a shit about the actual, the numbers. You know, They I mean, did. I, they tracked them, obviously. But it, it, again, if it equates to performance or not, it's a different thing. Oh, for sure. But you're going from that to like, now I'm in a normal gym. Mm-hmm. And the, it's way different. Oh, God, yeah. So I think like... You have to filter some things, but I think it, it benefited me in a way of like, you really have a certain amount of professionalism. Like when I joined the gym I'm at now and started training clients and like, you know, other trainers are obviously there and whatnot. There's just not that like level of professionalism. Like, unless you go through like literally in Ohio state's weight room, it was like the plates are literally like perfect. Like the, the logo is, is up. Like you literally don't yawn or you're doing pushups. Like you wipe every, like you, everything's like so perfect and pristine. And so yeah. like I developed a certain level of professionalism, and I think that's what makes me a good trainer now is, you know, I, I give that professionalism to my clients and to the training environment that I have. And, you know, people respect that because people didn't experience, not everyone did experience what it's like to be in a, you know, Ohio state football weight room where you are performing and, and carrying yourself with that level of professionalism. So I think, you know, a lot of people, respect that where like I, I have kind of taken that experience where I like deliver it and create that culture and that environment for these everyday people, but not in like a douchey way in a very like normal way, but they don't realize that it's normal. You know what I mean? Well, you can't, well, I think, well, I want to say like, I think I know Mark Manga does that. Like he's at anatomy, um, down in Miami and he played in the NFL for a little bit. Uh, I think they're really like that with their stuff. Like all the plates have to be perfect. Yeah. Um, I think it's awesome. But I work in the real world here. Yeah. And I, it's, I'll say this. <laughs> and I don't go to that extreme. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say this about people. It's way easier to establish a culture than yes. change one. Yeah. And maybe that's my fault. Um, because <laughs> these motherfuckers here love them to death. They don't put shit away, dude. Yeah. It's like dumbbells out. Stuff is, I'm like, whatever, dude. And I kind of like, I kind of take, like, it's not so much like that side of the professionalism that I'm talking about. It's more so just like, okay, how do we, what's our attitude like? Yeah. You know, like, how are we, how are we viewing, what it is we're doing. It's not like, like, again, like I don't give a shit about like putting the plates back and stuff, but it was like that level of like, look, like you, you want to, and that was another, I think the biggest thing that I learned from like that professionalism that I'm talking about is like positive, negative attitude. Like they literally, like if you walked in the Ohio state weight room and like you had a shitty attitude, they're like, get the fuck out. Like that's awesome. You're coming back in with a positive. And like, so they were real big on like positive, like just your vibe and the way you care, literally the way that you carry yourself. Like if you carry yourself like a shithead, like they're going to be like, they're going to call you out on it. And so like, that's what I mean about like the professionalism that I deliver to my clients is like, no matter what kind of day I'm having, no matter what happened that day, it's like, I basically show up with the mentality of like, I have to sell every single one of my clients every single day. I get, get in touch with them. Like every single day I see them, I am, they're evaluating me. 
and I either win that day or don't win that day. And with my professionalism and with my positivity, and that's a non-negotiable. That's something that I can show up and give them every single day. And so it's like, I can't have a shitty day. I can't have a day where, you know, I'm feeling, you know, I'm mad about this certain thing outside of the gym. It's like, no, I'm with those people. Like I have to bring that energy and bring that positivity. Cause if I don't, what, like, why, why not go to the next guy? Why not go train with so-and-so? So I'm always like thinking about how can I, how can I make this session right now on this day so incredible for that client that like they're never going to want to leave me and like that's that's something that i bring like every single day um and i think that's what i mean when i say like that professionalism and that that idea of like positivity always being present um in a given day well yeah it's weird because like you're not old um to do that and to say that and i say that because like i've had a lot of people um work with me over the years and that's probably the one thing and alec might be here before you bounce he literally asked me this the other day he's like how do you <laughs> he goes how do you come in here shout out to alec he goes how do you come in here and like you're just you're never tired and you never like have a shitty day and i'm like well neither of those things are true bro. that's not true <laughs> uh, yeah some days i could fucking fall asleep standing up oh, for sure and i go Dude, I've had some of the shittiest fucking days, like For since sure. he's probably worked here. Um, but nobody here will ever you can't know. Tell. And I don't, I don't mean like you. Well, I just swallow my problems and then they just go away until they don't. That's what I've done forever. <laughs> it's worked out so far. I go, but it's like you say, it's an audition every day. And I, I don't, know, yeah, I don't, every day. I don't mean it like it's an audition. I go, but this is their only time here with me. Mm-hmm. So whether it's you know they're the hundredth person who came in here or the seventh, it doesn't matter. And, and I'd say this jokingly, but kind of true. If my whole family got murdered tomorrow, they'd be like, oh, I feel super bad for you. Who's coaching on Wednesday? Yeah. And, and then not in a, in a negative way, I go, but they still need to get what they need to get. The world goes on. They didn't come here, here to buy my shit. Mm-hmm. So I have to try to give them the best stuff I can. And a lot of, I guess for young coaches listening, that's probably a great takeaway is that it's not about you. No. And, I, and I think that's where... And I look like an asshole. My name's on the door. It's on the fucking t-shirts. I get it, dude. I go, but it's not about me here. Like they come here for me. Sure. I go, but it's what we can give to them for sure. And that's a tough place to be. And it's where it's your path is probably the best path for it because you showed up every day somewhere where they literally didn't give a fuck about you. Yeah. And you gave them everything. At least now what you do, like people do care. <laughs> well, dude, that's what makes it so that's what makes like like a lot of trainers struggle like, Oh, I wish I had, you know, client, like I wish I had clients. I wish I was making more money. And it's like, I almost through going through that. It's like, I see, I wake up every day and I'm like, I have these people paying me to come in, wear this shit and give them my all. And it's like, dude, I have it. So like, this is amazing. Like, this is awesome. And it's like, even on those shitty days, I always have to remind myself of that. Cause it's like, it is, it is a gift to be able to do these things and be with these people and give them, give them this. But yeah, I think it's, uh, it's like you said, every day is almost like an audition because honestly, at the end of the day, like take all emotion and feelings out of it. Like those people could, and I know like we, we do like agreements and like contracts and stuff, but like, you know, they could leave you at any moment. And so it's like, you have to show and prove to them every day why you are bringing value to their lives. Well, and it's a tough thing too, in this space, like in fitness, because you are creating a relationship with these people that very few other people get to do. Yeah. Like I get this secondary education here from a lot of other people. So I get oh, to yeah. steal so much. That's why I seem halfway smart on here. Cause I'm really a <laughs> fucking idiot. I go, because I've talked to the guys who've made hundreds of millions of dollars, the guy who's ran his own business for 30 years, the attorney or the doctor or whatever, but you, you, you're here, you're doing it. They don't owe you anything. Nothing. And that's the tough part where 
you create this relationship. You're almost like friends in a lot of ways. We yeah. are like these, a lot of these people have been to my house. Mm-hmm. We fuck around on Sunday. We, we do whatever. But when they leave, I, at this point, I don't take it personal. No. I really, I did when I was younger cause it's hard and you're like, well, fuck, you know, Cindy's leaving. This sucks. I'm like, well, but she paid for the services that are provided and she's choosing to do something different, but it's a tough thing to do. Well, and I think that's why so many trainers struggle is because they, a lot of people haven't like learned a whole lot about business at, at that point when they get into fitness. And so like they get very emotional about it where it's like, this person was with me. God forbid they leave. Oh, if they leave, I'm nothing. And it's like, people don't realize that it's like, yes, like I, like I care so much about my people. I, it's like you said, like I literally like, I have amazing relationships with my clients. Like I'm, like I've said, I'm friends with some of them. And, um, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, they're there for you, like you were saying and, and whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, it's tough. Cause you, it's not, it's relationship based, but at some level there's a transaction, right? And that's the, what people, you get the lines blurred. We do right. everything here relationship based. I eat shit on more things than I probably ever should. Cause I'm in a position that I can do that like financially and other stuff I go, but it's still not fun, but I'm just yeah. like, it is what it is, dude. It is what it is. And I can't, wh- what I'm saying, if you're in a business like that, where it's a service business and you're working with people, whether it's fitness or your massage therapist, or even a doctor, like in a private practice, you really just have to understand, like, it's just part of the game. It's part of the game. Yeah. And you can only help the people who want to get help from you now. And honestly, here's the crazy thing. Cause I've been doing this for so long. If you're on long enough, dude, most people come back mm-hmm. and that's just it. Like I've had people gone for five years, not a word. And then just one day show up. Yeah. Which is pretty fucking cool too. Oh, for sure. Kind of sucks in one way, but yeah. then it's kind of cool. Another <laughs> like, what's this awesome? Uh, so when you're doing that, I guess here's the thing with the fitness too, which is tough. Um, Cause you're in the space now, like when you're in college, social media is like a real thing mm-hmm. and you're using it. The comparison thing. Cause people do that a lot in fitness for sure. Where they're like, well, this trainer's doing this and this and this, and we really don't know that. And you can't do that. You have to really just kind of bowl in your own lane and you have, have tunnel to. vision. But since you're a younger person, I'll ask you this. Like, has that been part of, like, the shit you do? And I, I say that because of, like, the internet and social media of what appears like what's winning or what's happiness or what's really doing it. And sometimes even old people do this. They focus on the wrong things. Mm-hmm. Where And that's an audition process, too, every day. Except it's not. It's way harder. Way harder. Because the transaction is it's a one-way street. And I don't know like what's real and what's not real anymore. Like we're in the fucking matrix or the yeah, metaverse. I don't know, dude, <laughs> because, and I joke because like more people will listen to this today than I'm going to ever meet. Yeah. And more people will watch an Instagram video than I'll ever like be. So is that real or is right. this real? And so you kind of blur the lines. But what I'm saying is like, you're auditioning there in a weird way. And this to me matters more. Like I'm across from you, like we're sitting in the same room, but you grew up in a little bit different era for sure. So is it different for you? Like when you look at like, Instagram and TikTok and all this other shit that's out there. You're saying like right now, is it hard with the comparison thing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say for like sure. when you, like for you, you're like, okay, I know my background. I've, and again, this is not a, it's not a good or bad. Like I believe everybody deserves whatever they have. Now, mm-hmm. is there people that we've worked with who are monsters on the internet? And if I had a guess are making multiple millions of dollars a year, if they have <laughs> yeah. half a brain in their fucking head that can't write a program. Yes. I've met them. And some of them I know very well. I go, but they've done something right. Yeah. W- whether it's like they were born attractive or whatever the fuck it was like, they put some pieces together. So I'm going to give them that. I go, but when you're younger, it's hard to do that. And even sure. friends in my space who are fucking great. I mean, great yeah. coaches, they will make, and it's not about money, but it's kind of about money. 
they'll make one one hundredth of the money some of these people who are not halfway as intelligent as them. Right. And so you're in the space and you're young. So like, do you ever look at that and you're like, oh. man, why the fuck is that happening and not for me? <laughs> Thousand percent. I would say it's like easily like the probably one of the most difficult parts about being in fitness in today's world because the internet is so prominent and it is so just dom it dominates the industry because you know you, you like you said you have these people out here with millions and millions of followers they can leverage it so easily if they choose to but then again there are some you know that struggle like there's there's people who have massive followings that don't, that don't know anything about business and can't make a buck doing it um but thank god for this woman right here you know christina my fiance because she like she became and i know we're going to talk more about this but she became a coach before me and so honest to God, she's been kind of like my business coach. Cause she's, she had business coaches. She went through the whole process. She like really knows her. I mean, she's a beast. She kills it. And so she's taught me like literally so much and something she's, she's told me from the very beginning is like, dude, you just got to like get tunnel vision and like stay in your lane. She's told me that since the beginning and dude, it was hard. Like I went from, and again, I don't care about it much anymore now. Um, but like when I was playing football, like I'm, I'm going from getting like, like thousand, like a thousand people are like liking a post when I put something up. And then my first couple, you know, months in fitness, it's like, you throw something up and it's like, here's 20 likes, here's 30 likes. And you're like, okay, well that's the metric that matters. Like, well, I'm screwed. And then luckily over time, like you start to really realize it's not, yes, those the, the social media and that massive following, you can leverage it. It can really work out in your favor. But if you just get really focused on like what you're good at, what value you provide and the people you want to provide it to, you can make any sort of money you want. Um, and then you do not have to have a big following. It's crazy because you say that because it's like when you're playing football, it's probably just like a picture of you. Literally do, yeah, doing, doing nothing. It's a still photo. I in literally. A jersey <laughs> and a helmet. And people are like, that's fucking awesome. And then you do yeah. something where you put time into it. Like you probably like, I don't know if you'd speak on camera. I'll look at your social later. I do. And I'll pull some of your photos. Like if you took time to like, maybe you had to rehearse it or maybe it's something you said a hundred times, but you maybe filmed it once or twice oh, or yeah. three times and you like staged a certain way and you really helped somebody and nobody gave a fuck. Nobody gave a fuck. Yeah. That's the tough part, man. It is hard. And, and I've, I think I've really, I've battled it and it really used to get to me. Cause I'm like, cause you know, like, you know, you know, these things and you know, this value you're providing and like, you know, the information's great and you know that even the content might be good, but it's like, the return you're getting is shit, but it's like, you got to keep going. And that's where I think like the football mentality, like, again, everything goes back literally to that because it's like, yo, I've been here before. Like I've been here where it sucks shit. Like, yeah, that's why I always tell her like people, people like basically are so afraid to suck. Like when I got into fitness, like, yeah, I mean, I played football. I kind of knew what I was doing, but like I sucked when I first started, like I still like only know so much and I'm constantly like getting better and learning and learning and learning. It's a, it's a continuation for the rest of your life. But it's like when I first started, like, yeah, you do suck. Like you have to be willing to suck to be able to get better at something. And it, and it was it was just new for me, you know, getting into fitness. It was like you're almost starting from square one. And like now things are getting way, like so much better, like the like the social media is like doing better um, and things like that, which is a good feeling like it, it helps. But I just want people out there to know, like we've we put so much value on like the amount of likes or the amount of followers. But like if you just get really good at serving you know, a handful of people, like we say all the time, like we only need this amount of people. Like people are trying to win the world. Like you, you need to win like before. And that was me. Like before I wanted to win the world, like right away. But it's like, dude, before you win the world, like you got to win these people. Like you got to win the, the one client you have when you first start, you got to win 
the first five clients you have. You got to win at what you have right now and then get to those things because those things will come. If you focus in on, you know, that small group of people who do fuck with you, like, and you go all in on them, there's a good chance it's going to, it's going to compound. It's going to grow. It's going to build. And before you know it, you'll, it'll be someone like yourself, you know, running a successful business like you are. And people, people just don't, a lot of people really underestimate the, the power of the compound effect. Like it is, it is so very real in like everything that you do in life. Like if you just can take something you want to achieve and you just look at that end goal for like two seconds instead of all the time, and then just pull back into what can I do every single day that's going to yield that result that I want to get to. Well, it's crazy because like if you didn't see other people's stuff, like you wouldn't even know. You wouldn't even know. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, 50 years ago, you didn't know Farmer Joe was way doper than you <laughs> yeah. unless you drove by his place. Right. Like, man, his truck is way better than mine. My For tractor sure. sucks, you know. But now it's like you see it in real time and then we get this, well, I'm not doing enough or it's not good enough. Or like when you can look back at these metrics of like, well, that posted great, that posted shitty. I don't get caught up in that because like yeah. to me, if you understand the real, and I get it, it's a game, dude. We game it too. It's yeah. just part of what the fuck it is. But there's things that I know will share that are really helpful that will do fucking terrible. Yeah. And I know I can do some shirtless bullshit and it probably do 10 times better. Mm-hmm. And that's fucked up. Yeah. But I'm like, this is, you know, the market's the market. Like they decide kind of what they want. But I, to your point, if you do it long enough, you're going to finally attract the right people. For sure. And again, I know a lot of like my friends still think I'm crazy because I still fucking come here and do this. <laughs> I go, but I've had people here for 12 years. Imagine that. Like you have a client for 12 years in a row. Every month for 12 years. And we have a lot of those people here. Seven years, nine years, 10 years. It's incredible. I don't know on the internet if that'll ever happen. It seems like it'd be real tough to do. We have some that have been for years I've yeah. never met, which is crazy. I go, but the point is, is like you're making a real connection with people in person. And that is the only way. Like that's how we started this. So I'm like, well, if I just get like 10 people to not think I suck, dude, maybe I can get 10 <laughs> more. You know what I'm saying? Like for sure. And over time you do that. But it's – uh. It's tough. I, I get the internet thing. I don't get the comparison thing. I guess I just don't give a fuck. Yeah. But I do see things where even for me, I'm like, I don't get it, mm-hmm. you know? But again, I'm not the market. So like, it is what it is. Yeah. And I think like for us, like we grew up, we're like a little bit older than the John. I feel like there's an era of, of kids now where they don't have that perspective of like, yo, this is social media and this is real life. And these are two different things. And real life does matter more, even though you think that this, the, the former matters more. And it's like, we, we say this all the time, like we're in that generation where like we kind of understand what it's like before all that shit. And so it like, you have that perspective still, but some of these kids now, like they literally do not have that perspective. It's like, they let the social media carry so much, like whether they want to accept it or not, like that's their reality now. And it really is like, it is legitimately their reality. And in person, like they, you know. It doesn't matter to them. It's weird. And I, I'll give this example quick and I'll move on. We have a neighbor. She's a couple of streets down. What was she selling? Like raffle tickets to some bullshit? Maybe it was like a school dance or Christian camp or something. I don't know. I usually just give money. A lot of times it's like cookies and shit. And I'm like, just take the money and keep your Girl Scout <laughs> cookies. Otherwise, I'll eat them. And yeah. I gave her like 20 bucks and she's, uh, I had a gopher's hat on. She's like, oh, I'm like, yeah, I'm from Minnesota, blah, blah, blah. And we're kind of walking her through. And I've lived in this house for like nine years. Yeah. And I rarely meet anybody because I'm here. Or I'm gone. So, like, they don't really know I exist. And we get to talking, and I'm like, I'm in fitness, but I'm trying to explain it to her. 
And the girl's like, oh, do you have like Instagram or YouTube? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, here's my stuff. And like we show her and she's like, holy shit, that's so crazy. You're like this. I go, I'm the same fucking dude who's lived by you for nine years. Yeah. I go, I don't know anything more than you thought I did a minute ago, but it's their perception. And I really think this, there's people who, when we look for people to work here, they apply here just because of like these numbers and metrics they see on the screen, Mm -hmm. which doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Which is crazy to me. And I'll never get used to it. I don't know. It's weird, man. If it it's ever weird. changes or how it is when the next thing comes, like mm-hmm. whether it's TikTok or whatever the next fucking weird thing is. Yeah. Ho- <laughs> hopefully I like live in the woods uh, <laughs> yeah. at that time. We'll see. So you're done with school. You graduate. What was the plan? Like when yeah. you when you get done with school, was it like, I'm going to do fitness for a living? So no, it wasn't actually at first. Um most, most of us, that's not our plan. Most of us not, yeah. Um, even though it was always like a, a very like crucial and important point of my part of my life. Um, no, I actually, at first I had no vision of playing in the NFL, even when I had the vision of like playing for Ohio State. But as I started to like have these legitimate games, I mean like by the time my senior year was, I was playing in my senior year, I was starting at fullback too. So they actually switched me from linebacker and I was like playing on the offense and I was actually like racking up like a ton of tackles on special teams. Like I was leading the team in tackles and people were like kind of in my ear, like you might have a legitimate shot at playing in the NFL. You know, we had a guy, Nate Ebner, who he was a walk on and turned scholarship athlete and he played safety, but didn't play a down at safety, but played all of his uh, career at on special teams, killed it at pro day, was on the was on the Patriots for like, I don't even know, like five, six years. And then I think he plays for uh he plays for somebody else now. He's literally still in the league. And that's, that's crazy. Kind of, it's crazy. Yeah. And uh, so, like, they, the media and everybody were kind of, like, comparing me to, to this Nate Ebner guy. And so I'm like, shit, like, maybe I can really do this thing. And, uh, you know, as I got toward the end of my senior year, they basically allow any of the seniors to participate in Ohio State's Pro Day. Like, literally, even if you're somebody that, like, didn't play at all because it's everybody technically has a shot. Um, and some wild cards will literally step up to the plate and give it a shot. But if you suck, like but if you suck, you're, not, like, you're probably not going to do it. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just cause like, what are you doing? Like the four, everything, yeah, right? everything. Oh, everything. And, uh, so yeah, if you suck, like there's a good chance, like you probably don't do it. Yeah. Um, but as I got closer, I'm like, you know, I'm really kind of thinking I want to give it a shot. And then like all my coaches are like, you, you need to do it. Like you, you got to do it. And so basically I spent when I graduated, I graduated in, December of 2017 and I started training in January of 2018 and that's when I started training for pro day I actually stayed at Ohio State um, to train instead of like going somewhere to a facility because like they they also do that for guys like that you can train at Ohio State for pro day oh here too like Exos yeah exactly like an Exos and things like that Um, and so really like no serious concrete plan B but I knew I wanted to get like a postgraduate degree Um, so I actually started my MBA, my master's in business online while I was training for pro day at Ohio state. Um, and so, yeah, I was pretty much training that whole spring and it was really shitty because during that spring, it was like our first 40 yard dash we ran and I literally tore one of the metatarsals in my toe or in like my foot. It's like, it's like right between your, um, like your, your big toe and then the toe next to it. It's like right in between, um, on like the separation point and I tore this tiny little ligament and it's like one of those things where it's like just like this little thing but it feels terrible like any sort of flexion it's like you're fucked literally the most horrible feeling so like this whole entire spring leading up to pro day I'm literally like getting half-assed 
like athletic trainers involved with it because like we can't like we're gone we're away from the team so like they're not allowed to help us and so like i was kind of just like half-assedly like icing it doing rehab exercises literally like picking up rocks with my toes trying to strengthen the tendons and shit like that like doing everything i could to just like get in a place to be able to perform well on pro day and so like we're kind of going back and forth between being injured where i'm like i'd go like a couple weeks and i'd be feeling good and then i'd do some drill and then bang i'd re-injure it it hurt like hell and so i'm battling that the whole time i'm training for pro day doing my mba online and then we get to pro day i'm feeling healthy i spent like the last like week or two leading up to it literally just like trying to be able to walk on my foot to be able to perform and it had to have been like the adrenaline from the day where it just like took over because there was literally like, I think like 40 plus NFL coaches there. And it was literally me and two other linebackers performing. So you're literally like on this indoor, indoor turf and like dead silence. And there's like 40 plus NFL coaches. I remember when I did my bench press reps, like Mike Tomlin and Bill Belichick were literally like right next to me while I'm doing my 225. That's crazy. And yeah, so I, (laughs) I performed in pro day. Um, I, did really well. I ran a four six nine. I bench pressed two twenty five like twenty six times, and then um, that's a lot. Yeah, and then I did uh, I did a couple other drills. I honestly don't. I think it was literally just the the L cone, and then like the shuttle in the five ten five shuttle. Because what happened was, so I ran one forty, which was the four six nine, and literally on that forty, I like messed the toe up for like the millionth time, yeah. and, and like re injured it, and I literally like. I could not, it was the worst it ever was. Cause like, I, I remember like not being able to walk and being like, I don't think I'm going to finish this. Like, <laughs> like my foot is completely compromised. Yeah. And, but thank God I ran a good 40. And, uh, so I get to position drills and that was like the last thing. So I skipped out on some drills cause I hurt my foot, but I did do the 40. I did bench press. I did the five, 10, five, and then like one other drill. And then I had to sit the rest of them out. Cause I'm like, I got to get this foot like somehow in a place to do position drills. Like um, I made it this far. Like I got to give it my, I got to give everything I got. And so like they, they like taped up, they would always do this kind of like butterfly tape on my foot to like basically keep the toes from entering flexion. And um, so we did that, slapped it on, taped the shit out of my foot. And I literally did all the position drills and like really did them pretty flawlessly. Like you couldn't even tell that I had an injury. Um, so yeah, did that. Um, we got to the draft weekend that year so like pretty much all the everyone gets picked up over the three days, and then the last day they start calling guys for like rookie mini camp invites and shit like that. And so with Justin, the guy I was talking about earlier, you know, me and him are sitting in my apartment that weekend like waiting for a call, and I literally just never got a call. Like literally never got a call from any teams. And like I remember like Urban Meyer was even calling me like, "Hey, have you heard anything yet?" Like our media people were like posting shit on social whenever guys would get like picked up, and they're like, "Hey, have you heard anything yet? Have you heard anything yet?" And I'm like, I "Haven't heard anything." And then like days went by and then I got like one invite to do a Cleveland Browns basically kind of like try out and stuff like that and so went there and did that um did really well at that and but then again nothing really happened you know I talked to their D coordinator actually for a while he was from he he had some connection with like Casey or Missouri and we were talking about St. Louis and like we were kind of hitting off and then he was showing some interest so I'm like maybe this could be this could be it And then, like, that kind of fizzled off. Nothing really happened. And then I got, like, some interest from the Steelers, but, like, nothing happened with it. And then, like, it was kind of just in limbo where it's like, all right, like, dude, you're not going to – you're not making a team. Like, it's over. Like, this this whole – everything you kind of work for is, like, done. And it was – I think it was, like, a really harsh reality that I wasn't willing to accept yet. 
And so I moved back home to St. Louis, Missouri. And I'm like, well, all I got is this MBA. Like I might as well go all in on that. So I'm like, I don't want to be in school much longer. Like I want to be done. I want to get a job. And so moved back home for about a year and just like crushed, got the MBA done. Cause I was like, I want to be done. So I did it in like a year and a half. Cause it was like that spring. And then the full year knocked it out, like graduated, got that. And then, um, during that time, I was like, I really miss Columbus. You know, like I got to get back to Columbus. Like I just, there's something about it that was like pulling me back. I'm like, I really want to get back there. And so I do my MBA and everyone's like, you know, you'd be good at sales. Like I had no real concrete plan B at the time, like pretty much gave everything I had to football and especially it got real isolated, especially at the end where I'm like, all these people are telling me I'm going to make it. Like I really was like, I was a firm believer. Like I was going to make a team. I was going to be like a practice squad guy, make like decent money. Like that was like my vision. And then like everything got taken from me pretty much. Like when I, when that door got closed on me. And so went back to the MBA and then had that feeling of wanting to go back to Columbus. So I ended up moving back to Columbus, Ohio, when I finished the, the master's degree and got a job in sales with a chemical company based out of Texas, started as a sales representative. And it was something new, you know, something different. And I think like you maybe felt this when you worked your one corporate job where it's like, yeah, it's, it sucked. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, and, it felt like, that. <laughs> you yeah. felt that, but like early on, it's like something new, it's something different. I'm like, ah, oh, like, this is kind of cool. Like I'll, I'll, I'll like give it a, give it a good run. And so, like, I started to get competitive with it. Like, they would show, like, sales leaderboards and shit. And so I, like, went out and, like, actually did really well as a sales rep. And, like, within my first year, like, I was getting a bunch of promotions. Like, they were hyping me up, telling me I had this huge future with the company, blah, blah, blah. Like, they loved that I was a former athlete, kind of like what we were talking about before the podcast. And all these, like, good things were happening for me. But as I kind of progressed on, I was like, you know, is this, is this really it? Like, is this it? And then around, it's funny, around that same time, was when I started listening to you. Um, and so biggest mistake of your life, bro. <laughs> Fuck. So I literally used to drive around and it's funny cause it's very similar to like a lot of the things, you know, you say, and, and that we've talked about even this far where it's like, you know, I did exactly like you literally were saying in the beginning, like went out, bought a Mercedes, like salesman, like corporate guy thought I was like, Oh, you bought shit. a Mercedes, bro. I did. I nice. bought, I bought a cheap. It was like, it was nice, but it was like, not the, like, not, not the, like the, not the nice Maybach. No. Yeah. Not the Maybach. No. Yeah. Way different than that. So I was like living just this like life that I, it was not aligned with me at all. And it was crazy, man. Like, did you, the, did you lease it? No, I literally bought it. Oh, you paid straight cash. Yeah, right? nice. at least <laughs> well, you did I, that. And I was well, I was, was that new or used? It. It, it was used. Yeah, at least you did. You didn't. I mean, so if you leased like a new one, that'd probably be the worst choice. Oh, it'd be the worst choice ever. Yeah, so at least you bought a used. At least you bought a used one. So you kind of like you did the thirty thousand dollar millionaire thing. That's ex when you were saying that. Like we were literally laughing at each other. You're trying um, to get chicks, dude. Oh yeah, yeah. like thinking you're hot shit, like corporate guy, and. uh yeah. So basically within that first year of working that job, even though things were progressing like really well, like I was getting these promotions and stuff. That's like literally the time I started listening to you. And I literally, it's funny, dude, because like you've said this before on podcasts, but it's like, I literally found you from like a, like you're just one of your workout posts, like you shirtless, whatever bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and it led, Hey, it, it got me in, yeah. started listening to the podcast and dude, like I've been listening you know, to you for like three and a half years now plus. And so it's pretty crazy. Like looking back, but in that time period, you know, I'm driving around doing sales and shit. And so I'm always in the car and I'm like, why am I listening to music? Like, why don't I actually do something that like adds value to my life? And that's when I started listening to your podcast and I found you on social media. And, you know, I really started like listening to you, like in the car, like every day. And I got to a point within that first year where it was like, I literally felt like you were like speaking to me and you were like, dude, get the 
fuck out of this job like right now. Like it literally felt like like just the things that you were saying, like talking about personal development and like just everything. And it was just so obvious to me like I need to like do something different. Like it's got to be something different. It can't be this thing. I know this ain't it. Um, and I literally got to a, a breaking point where I was like, I either have to quit this job and figure out like what the hell my purpose is, what I'm, what it, what I even am fulfilled by. Cause I, I got to a point where I was so lost and like, like out of my journey with football, I just was in a very lost time in my life because I think for any former athletes out there listening, like, I don't care, you know, if you play college or professionally, like you're lying to yourself if you say that like that transition is like not hard. Cause like it's fucking hard. And like, that's why I'm so passionate about helping former athletes now. Cause it is a hard transition and a lot of guys just suppress it. And so I really realized like I had to make change and I'm like, look, I can't do this. I could basically convince myself out of making change. And I literally had to like, stop listening to your podcast. Like no joke. Like it became so easy to tell me to quit my job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it became so uncomfortable listening to the shit that you were saying that it was like, dude, I can't like, like, if I listen to one more episode, like I will quit my job, have nothing, have to pay for this Mercedes. Like, what am I going to do? And, uh, so I literally stopped listening. I started going on, kept going with the corporate job. I, uh, like I got promoted to be like a business development manager in within my first year. And then I became like a sales manager. So I was like a sales manager at like 25 years old. I'm the youngest sales manager in the company. I'm going to make six figures that year. And it was the most miserable I've ever been. Like literally the most miserable I've ever been. 25 years old and have technically like successful by most people's, you know, metric. And I was like very, very empty. And, you know, around that time period, I met this lovely lady, Christina Kovacs, and, you know, she's my fiance now, but it was crazy. Like her and my sister, Megan, like both modeled what it was like to truly be like a good quality, like legitimate fitness professional, because as I kind of started to realize, like, look, like I am unhappy. This isn't for me. That's when I'm like, no, I need to turn that podcast back on. Like I need to, I need to start fucking taking some action. And so I did, I started listening to you again, started doing the work. And I think like, that's so crucial for people to listen is like, or the, for the people who are listening is like, you can't just expect shit to, to happen for you. Like literally like, especially like when you get a little bit older, like we are now, or like you have all your responsibilities, like no one is going to come do it for you. No one is going to come save you. No one is going to come show you the path of how to do whatever it is you're meant to do. And so I really started leaning hardcore into personal development. And dude, like when people, people think of personal development sometimes as like something super flashy and gimmicky. And it's like, no, like I literally started with like writing down pros and cons of like, what do I want a fucking day to look like? What do I, what do I hate about my day? What do I like about my day? What does an ideal day look like? And I just started doing the work. I started having those thoughts, like, what do I want to do? And I actually, there's this personality test attack for anybody listening. Like if most of those are, are BS, but there was this one called like 16 personalities. And this thing was like legit. And like, it literally like showed you basically like it was like an in-depth analysis, like 16 freaking pages of like all the, the different things about your specific personality, like things professional, like things you do professionally, things you should do in relationship, things you should do in all these areas of your life. And like all these things were saying like coach, like you should coach, like you would be like a, like a counselor, like a mentor, like a coach. It was like all the, basically like pushing in that direction. And I remember listening to something one time and it was like that thing that you're like searching for and that thing that you're looking for to become, you know, fulfilled with and fulfilled by in, in your day-to-day life is typically probably something that's like always been there. It's always been like a part of you. And I was like reflecting on it and I was like, well, that's really been fitness. Like fitness and training has always been 
the constant common denominator in my life through some of the best times and some of the worst times and everything in between. And I always was so passionate about it. Even before I became a trainer and I was working that corporate job, like I was following you, I was following other fitness professionals and I was just like soaking up information. And I'm like, you know, using all, like I, at that moment, I feel like I could have even trained people in that year, but I thank God I didn't cause it probably would have sucked. Um, but I was soaking up a lot of information, like from you, from her, from the people around me and dude, it, it like, it's crazy looking back. Like for me to take that leap was literally because like, Christina modeled it for me because like we, we've you've talked about that on podcasts like you almost like need someone to model it for you and like I saw her doing it and living it I saw my sister doing it living it I've got you doing it living it like talking to me through this podcast and I'm like I can really fucking do this thing like I, I think I can really make this happen and so literally like I decided to pull out all my savings from my corporate job which was like five, six grand at the time and this was around the time I met Christina and this is why we have like such a special relationship is because like she really helped me like establish who I am today. Like, especially through that process. Cause she lived it. She was a trainer. She was a coach and she was with me every day during it. And she actually was the one that motivated me. Like you need to get that damn certification, like get that certification. Like you've been putting it off. And so like, yeah, man, literally it was a combination of, of her, my sister, you just an accumulation of all that, that gave me like really the power and the feeling that I could to quit. I literally quit that job and then dove into this full time. So you had, do you have any clients at the time? Literally none. So I literally pulled out. Good, good like, business decision. Yeah, <laughs> great business Super decision. smart. Super smart. Pulled out Pulled out my uh, whatever was in my 401k. I, I think it was literally like five, six grand. And I was like, I I calculated it out. What are my like necessities? And I'm like, this is going to get me. I think it was like a couple months. It was like it was like three, four months or something like that. That's my timeline. I have to make it happen. Um, I got no other choice. I, I just got to the point where I was so literally like so miserable in that corporate job that I would have done something for free, like literally. And knowing that like, yes, I'd have financial problems. Yes, all this, all that. But like, I was so unhappy in that job and so miserable because like you've talked about on the podcast, like you're surrounded by people who just like, you're used to, I'm, I'm used to playing for like, the best program in the nation and like being surrounded by like really professional elite people. And then like, it's just not like that in corporate America, unless, I mean, there are companies out there that are, but like the one I was in was not. And so you're just like, like, what is this? Like, I, I'm missing something. I'm, mi I'm missing a piece of me. And so like, thank God for, you know, all of you guys, you know, for modeling it and showing me it's possible because, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here today without the combination and accumulation of, of all you guys. Well, it's what a lot of people, I think athletes for sure, um, anybody who's who's changed roles, you go from mattering and having this identity to not mattering. Yeah. And now, oh, I played football here and I was like a person and now you don't fucking matter. Yeah, nobody cares about you. That's a tough part for most people. And it's not like I don't want to blame corporate America. It's just that's the machine. It's a machine. Yeah. Like if you're dead, they're going to have somebody else do your sales, dude. Yeah. Like, and it's not a personal thing. It's just like the machine has to run. For sure. And that's the tough part where it's like, well, and I probably gave a shit for like six months when I worked. Um, actually, crazy thing, my old boss still comes here. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Like every, um, almost like every Saturday he's in town. He's a cool dude. Yeah. Uh, but like even, I mean, I basically spent the next six months just like building the website and doing whatever else. Yeah. Uh, it's a fucking joke. But I just didn't give a <laughs> shit because I'm like, the metrics weren't real. I just didn't care about the tasks itself. It just wasn't my thing. And to hear you say it though, hey, I'm a young, you know, I'm doing what everybody, and that's the takeaway if people are listening, like you're going to make the money, you're driving the Mercedes, you have the title that you can tell people when they ask, even though they don't know what it means. Like right. it's, it's a thing. 
yet you fucking hate it. I was literally the most – that was the most miserable I've ever been in my life. And it's crazy. Like, it's – the best time to do it was then. Oh, yeah. Because you're young. You don't have kids. You don't have as many responsibilities and all the bullshit. And so even if you sucked, you could always go back and sell shit. For sure. But it's not easy to do, especially when you have no clients and no money and you don't really know what the fuck you're doing. And that's what helps so much, like, having Christina is, like, she, like, really showed me. Like, I would not have been able – because, like, basically, like, I took that money out. I decided that I literally – like, it was a phone call with, like, our president of the company. And I literally – on our, like, Monday call, I'm, like, I literally was on the phone with him and quit. And we we're just like, we're going to, we're going to figure it out. We're going to make it happen. And, you know, she showed me, you know, how to actually create a business out of it. Cause it's like, I knew that I was really beginning to think like, okay, like this is definitely what I'm meant to do. And now like whenever I got into it and she knows this, like when I like first, cause you really don't know until you know, but when I got into it, it's like, I mean, it exploded. It was like, this is what I'm meant to do. Like, this is what I've always been meant to do. This is, this is it. Like, this is, I am so fulfilled and, and I love this. Like, this is, this is it. And, uh, but she modeled that for me and that's what helped me actually create a business out of it instead of just being like, you know, a regular trainer basically. Um, but someone who was actually like a professional about it and literally within the first year, I mean, I, I was making more money than I was going to make in my corporate job by month 10 in my first year of, of, you know, being a trainer and being an entrepreneur. And then like now it's, you know, at a different, even a better place than that. And so it all worked out, but it's like, taking that leap was everything. And I know that it's so many times, like I, like I said, I, you know, turned your podcast off. I talked myself out of it. I told myself, you know, I could, I was convincing myself of why I should stay in that instead of listening to that gut and listening to my feeling of, I need to take a leap. I need to get into something that is actually like something I'm passionate about and fulfilled by. And fitness always was that for me. It was always that Avenue when we would have strength and conditioning workouts at Ohio state. I would, I loved the off season. I, I sickly weirdly loved the off season and like loved that grind. And I knew so much of my character was built in the weight room. And, and another thing too, and this is how you, like, I know that this is just it is like, I have guys like I'm so friends, best friends with some of the guys I played with. And like, they don't remember what the fuck we were doing at Ohio state, like workout wise. But like in that moment, I could like tell you like, everything we were doing because I was so engulfed in it. I was so interested in it. Um, I learned so much even from that, even just playing at Ohio state. Like I did learn a shit ton about how to train and, and how to do this thing called fitness. And so like, that was another sign. Like I thought back to that time where it was like, I was so, I was paying attention to everything we were doing, every little detail. And like, so there's so many signs along the way that like fitness was it, but it like, it never became so clear until like, I, like I said, I, her and my sister and you. And so, yeah. Well, it's tough because you don't see like a bunch of retired fitness people no. running around. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like it's just like a new, you're in the infancy stage of what it is. And you're in this industry or profession where I don't want to say it's like a sinking ship, but like, man, you're up against like the world oh, of for sure. like food and drink and lifestyle <laughs> and like our Western culture of shit. So it's not a thing where. Uh, when people always ask me like, Hey, I want to get into fitness. What do you, what's your advice? I'm like, don't <laughs> yeah. like not to be an asshole. Like, I don't mean it like that. I just like, it's really hard to be successful. Yeah. You just, well, and again, like you have to have whatever your definition of like success would be. Right? right. Yeah. And it's, do you love it? Yes. Like if that's, if you do, then like, it'll, it'll work out how it's going to work out. I don't know if that means like how much money it is or whatever. And, and we all need a different level to, to feel sure. comfortable, but like, to me, if I don't hate it, like that's the most important thing. One hundred percent. And the money it, it ebbs and flows, it comes, it goes. It's like that's a different thing. I go, but if you're enjoying it, you're probably gonna 
first of all, you're going to work more because you don't oh, dread yeah. it every day. And then you're going to find a certain level of success just from that. And I was going to ask you, like, what are the hours like like for you now? Like, what is it kind of a like? I'm sure it's early some days, late some days. It's probably everything in between. Maybe from when it started to even now, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. You're just you're there a ton. Yes. Yes. I would say like when I started, it was like. I mean, you just have to grind. I mean, it's grind mode. Like you gotta get, you gotta get it up and running. You gotta like get it, get some, you know, some type of resemblance of a sales funnel of like, you know, client getting clients coming into you. And um, yeah, I mean, from the beginning, I mean, it's been long hours. Sent, like now, it's it's scaled back a little bit. But yeah, like when I started, I was actually like, my first started out in fitness. I had like one client at the gym I'm training now, and then I also was training at the sports performance facility that a former another former Buckeye, um, basically kind of helped me get the job. Cause he had heard I was, um, becoming a, a trainer or I had become a trainer and he's like, Hey, we have a spot open, like salary base. So I'm like, perfect. Like this would be a way to make some money consistently while I'm trying to build a client base. And, uh, so shout out to Jackson for helping me out with that. Uh, cause he basically like got me that job and I, if without it, I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I slowly just started to build kind of my client base and that first client I got I just like we crushed it like with it like his transformation was absurd and he was my first ever client you know he referred a couple of his friends and then I started meeting other people online and then like other people and it just kind of took off from there and so like I started to bring in a good amount of clients and I will say from the beginning I have been very very lucky where like my client and it's probably because of COVID, but like where my clients are super flexible with their time and like I can load up my morning. So I would, I would say like in the, in the early, in the beginning when I started to get like a pretty consistent client base, I mean, I was, I mean, I wake up at 4am. Um, I would just have my first client at five and I would train like in the mornings and then go to that other gym, basically kind of like afternoon evenings to make that salary. And then I basically got to a point where I was making enough money from my in-person training clientele that I could quit that job. So I quit at that gym, went all in on my in-person clients and built it up more. And, uh, yeah. And then kind of got to where we are now where I've, uh, really started to build more of like my online presence. I think at first it was like heavy, heavy in-person training as you know, but I still do both. I still balance both, but yeah, I would say in the beginning, it was like all day. I mean, you're working all day long, all hours, like similar to like what I was doing with football, but that had prepared me for it. You know, on those shitty days, I'm like, look, I've been here before I've done this. I've worked these long days. I've pushed hard when I had no guarantees. Like I learned all of those things from that football experience and it helped me drive through and become very resilient in just the way I approach my business, um, in fitness. And so, yeah, now I mean, it's great. I, I love my schedule now. I mean, I train most of my clients like 6 a.m. to about like 2 p.m., give or take the day. Um, pretty much have them whole morning every hour on the hour like filled in. And then I use the afternoons to, to work on some of the online stuff and, and do check-ins with my online clients. Um, so, yeah. You're there every day or like certain days or there's days where you don't do anything or no? No. I mean, I'm, I'm, there's, we're always doing something like for, for business. But, uh, yeah, I'm there. I'm there at the gym Monday through Friday. And like the weekends, you do anything at all or no? Yeah. So like I'll train some people on the weekends, um, for like makeup sessions, but I really try to keep it in the week. And then on the weekends, like we typically like to take like, and we don't ever really have like one full day off, but like we try to take some time off for ba obviously for balance purposes, but it's, I mean, it's hard. You know how it is. It's your life. And, uh, so we try to do that, but we do a lot of like behind the scenes work, like on the weekends. Cause she's a, Christine is a full-time online coach. And like I said, she's been doing it even longer than me, has more clients than me. But, um, yeah. Yeah, it's your life, dude. It's your life. Yeah, for sure. 
my wife would be like, yeah, this is all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah. But again, like, it doesn't have to be, though, either. Like, what my point is, like, you you have to do certain things if you want the autonomy to be like, I'm my own boss. I kind of do my own shit. For or sure. A lot of people, that's the, that's the tipping point where they're not willing to do it. Mm-hmm. And if I'm like, here, and again, I don't have to, you know, obviously I have to learn enough shit about you to not sound like a complete fucking idiot before you come in. <laughs> and then obviously sit here for hours and hours talking. I'm like, and then obviously load it. There's production, there's things. And we pay people to do certain things and some things I just do. But it's a lot. It's a lot. If you want to do it all. But you don't have to either. Like mm-hmm. you could work four days a week if you chose to. Yeah. But you're... I would say what you're doing is probably the right thing to do, especially now. When you get older, you do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. I go, and you, there is no, and I was going to say, like, whatever work-life balance you guys create, like, there is none for me. No. It's just, it's it's all just my life. It's really, there's really no work-life balance. <laughs> no. I go, but if I had a choice, like, and someone said to me the other day, we have people here who are grinders, too. I'm like, what else would I do? Right. Like, and I don't mean, like, there's certain things, like, I've given up and missed out on, certainly. I go, but for the most part. Like, yeah, I don't have to, I guess, come in on Wednesday if I don't do any. I go, but what am I going to do? Like, just sit in my pool and, like, drink beer? Like, yeah, that's fun, I guess. But I'm like, I'd rather produce and do things. And I guess that's what I'm driving at. If you enjoy something, yeah, it's work, but I'd rather, like, write a blog or, like, do something for a podcast or film a video or read something that I know is going to help me and then help the people I talk to. For sure. And then I don't feel like, oh, I'm just having to go sell fucking you know, medical right. devices or whatever for the nothing, thing is. For no reason, basically. Yeah. And that's what I mean. You're in it because, like, you enjoy it. And if you're good at it and you do it long enough, money will find you, mm-hmm. obviously. So if I'm going to ask this since you've been in it for a while, is there, like, a, your favorite thing about the fitness profession and then, like, something you think sucks about it? I think my favorite part is just seeing someone, like, truly transform mentally and physically because when you go through it yourself – you're almost, you almost become like this beacon of like, I want everyone to experience this and simply like not everyone will like, it's just the reality, but you have that like desire where you're like, I've, I've gone through this process. And that's why once again, you know, the former athlete niche is so powerful for me is because like I can speak so directly to those things and those feelings and and those, those things that they go through when they're, when they're done playing. And so, um, yeah, I think like my favorite part is really just watching people transform and be and, like, literally like you said, you've said it before on your podcast, like taking just a, a regular person and just turning them into a badass. Like that is in my opinion, awesome. And like, not only badass, like, you know, big and lean and whatnot, but like badass mentally badass, the way they approach their lives, badass perspective, like just a whole entirely different person. And just like witnessing and helping facilitate that transformation is like, it's priceless. Like it really is. Um, and the people appreciate it and you know this and like the people appreciate it like head over heels, you know, they're, they're constantly like thanking you, even though like you're putting them through hell. And so it's like, that is extremely fulfilling. And then you ask like my least favorite. Yeah. Okay. Like there's something like you're like, ah, this, I mean, everything has a downside for sure. Even fitness. Oh yeah. Even if it's like the schedule, like yeah. who really wants to get up at four? Right. Like I do now, but if I had a choice, like I'd say up till two, I guess. Yeah. I'd fucking wake up at 10. Mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah. I go, but it, again, I say that knowing like, I don't know if I ever could anymore because it just breeds a different work ethic in a different level of it or if it's the social media shit or if it's the for me if it's like if you took like one thing i don't really care about i don't sell anything here i don't try to i just present stuff for sure and that's kind of how i look at it and i know for people from the outside it's it's a very much like look at me 
yeah. industry in a way. I go, but not, I don't think that's a negative because I'm like, if I don't talk about our shit here, who the fuck is going to talk about it? Yeah. Like nobody, right? Nobody, yeah. And that's the thing where <laughs> people are like, oh, all you do is talk about fitness. I go, Wait, it's called Jeremy Scott Fitness. What did yeah. you I wasn't going to talk about cookies, dude. Like, right. This is all I know. <laughs> and it's the constant marketing that can never stop because you already know what McDonald's is. Mm-hmm. You already know what Coca-Cola is. These guys run ads every day, all day. You are not going to find a person in any country who doesn't know what those two things are. Yet they're still always running ads. And you oh, think yeah. like somehow you wouldn't have to. That part of it is not ideal but more so it's the it's we all do this it's the the microwave results we want yeah. it so quickly and you're not just fighting misinformation it's the unrealistic expectations and i don't know if that's always existed or maybe it's exacerbated now because the world is so sped up and i've talked about this before like we do it with amazon like i want my shit in two days dude yeah or a day that's mm-hmm. why i bought it there and if it doesn't come i'm like i'm not gonna lose sleep over but i'm like oh that sucks yeah this is gonna take five days i go what the fuck is this People do that with fitness mm-hmm. to a heightened level where it's like they'll come to you and say, hey, man, I want to look just like you do in three months. And mm-hmm. you're like, well, bro, I've been training for 15 <laughs> years. I played football at Ohio State and I still lift every single day. Like it's not realistic. No. And that's the biggest thing that for us to try to have empathy for them, but also educate them on like, hey, man, like if you got 100 pounds to lose, this is like probably like a one to two year process if you like are super serious every day. Yeah. And that's tough. And I would say like, you kind of said it for me, but that's, that's probably the thing I would say I dislike or I like the least about the fitness space is just the amount of like, like BS stuff that's in it. And I, and I know every industry kind of has the BS, but I I don't feel like there's like many industries where you can kind of like fake your something and like sell. Like, I think there's just like so much of that online where it's like, we have so many people, you know, on, social media and on these platforms, some of which like don't even have a qualification, never trained anyone in person, but are selling fitness related material. And so it's like, I think like that's probably the most difficult thing, you know, for being in, in this, in this business and in this industry, because I think that we've, we've gone the direction as a society and as a culture where like to be successful in this, like you have to have the huge following, you've got to have the social media metrics and shit like that. Um, and it's tough because you have a lot of people out there, you know, who have amassed big followings, who are credible like yourself, who, who really do care and are genuine and authentic. But then you have a whole another group of people who, you know, they became famous and popular through some other avenue and they want to leverage fitness as a means of profit. And it's just like, I would say that's probably the thing I, I dislike the most is like, I wish there was a way we could filter that, like more qualifications or something. I don't know how they would even do it. Like there's always going to be people that take advantage of stuff, but that's probably that's probably it. It's tough. I mean, like doctors do it too. Uh, yeah. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. But it's it's the fucking Wild West, dude. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, like Lane Norton does a lot of videos, calling out a lot of people. <laughs> it takes so, it must take him so long, dude. Yeah. Because he has, always has meta-analysis and he always has all the research behind it. It has to be exhausting. Yeah. Um, and I think it's cool, but I'm like, fuck, dude. I, there's no, I don't have time for that. Right. And it just seems like it's too much. And there's just no way. I don't know. It's a weird thing because I don't think, I don't know. It's like football, like Urban Meyer, like wasn't a great football player. Not that I ever remember, Mm -hmm. but he's a great football coach. Fitness. Like, I don't think you have to be like the most athletic dude to be a good coach. And like, you don't have to be shredded. I go, but you had to have actually like helped people. hundred percent. And that's the way I look at like these again. So I get, you know, I'll read all the Instagram messages, even the DMS. Cause a lot of that's just people fucking around <laughs> doing stupid shit. But like, here's a kid, he's 25. Like, Hey, let me help you be a business coach. I'm like, 
have you ever ran a business? Right. Like, you know, these things where the you've never done anything, yet you're trying to help people do things. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you can't be great online if you've never worked with people in person. But I have to imagine it's really hard because if you've never had a conversation with a 46-year-old guy with three kids who works 80 hours a week and you've not worked with them for six months, how are you going to meet that guy in Ohio? Or if you're in Ohio, he's in you know Nebraska. How can you help him if you've never seen him or talked to anybody like him? Dude, and that's such a big piece. Like I was even telling her that the other day. Like I didn't even feel comfortable at first training people online right away because I didn't even have that like in-person experience. And now that I do train people online, I like feel so confident in like the way I can deliver my services and the way I talk and communicate and serve and coach those people because of the experience I learned over time in person. Cause like there is no better experience than just spending hours and hours and hours on end doing this shit. Cause like, don't get me wrong. It's kind of like I said, I learned a lot from playing at Ohio state, being in a strength conditioning environment, but until you're in it doing it, like that tangible experience is what's going to really teach and show you like how, like how can I like really be a good coach? How can I meet someone in the middle? Like the description that you mentioned. And I think that's what makes a good coach is like, how can I take this person, meet them exactly where they're at, know when and where like to modify certain things and adjust certain things, but still get them to the end goal that they want to get to. And I think that's the hardest part because if you have kind of like a very general template by which you coach people and train people, like it's going to be really difficult to, to do that. Well, you just don't, you don't get to have the nuanced conversations like as often. And it's just, it's a strange thing because like friends of mine will ask and even like, and Heather and I will talk like, I don't know, like obviously some of this, it takes a ridiculous amount of time. Oh yeah. Like it's fucking ridiculous. Like some days I'm even like, what the fuck are you doing with your (laughs) life, dude? And I say that to anybody, like, even if you love what you do, you'll question your sanity sometimes of like, is this, is this what I'm supposed to be spending my time doing? Like, am I supposed to be doing it for this to make money or am I supposed to do this to help people? And then there's a crossover there sometimes and then sometimes there's not. But I don't know if I only did stuff on the Internet. I got to think I'd get fucking weird, man. Yeah. Like, and that's just me. I'm not judging anybody else. A lot of my friends, they've punted all of it. I go, but if there's not this, then what am I what am I fucking doing? Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking at numbers all day. Mm-hmm. I think I would have, then I would be doing the comparison shit for sure. Like, I think that would bug the fuck out of me. Like, Oh, I had, you know, 27 more people today. Oh, I had three less people today like that. I would just really just be, it'd just be a real, it'd be like a real business then. <laughs> um, it would just, it would suck. Cause I wouldn't get the same community aspect of it. Yeah. That personal touch is huge. And that's for uh, like, that's the only reason like we really still live here. I mean, I love it here too. It's for fucking, sure. It's awesome. I go, but I can't replicate the community here in San Diego mm-hmm. or in Minneapolis or wherever. Like I could, I guess, but like, I don't know if I have the energy honestly to redo yeah. it the same way. <laughs> and like, that's what I would miss. And that's, you know, it, it kind of works both ways, but it's weird. Cause like you can live in this internet space, but you also have these real humans. And to me, like that's always probably going to Trump. Oh yeah. Everything else. For sure. It's weird for sure. Yeah. So if we're going on the list here real quick, um, your own workouts now, yeah. um, compared to college, Look the same, look different, and how often are you training these days? Because you're a big – what do you weigh these days? I'm you're, about like 215. You're a big dude. Yeah, I'm like 6'1", 215, 218 in that range. Yeah. So what like what does uh, your training look like? Yeah, so I would say, you know, over that course of, of learning, you, you really start to understand like what's really important when it comes to training and fitness and what to focus on. And so right now I take a very like – and I, and I think you do a lot of this too, and neither of us really like advertise it, but it's just kind of what we do, but it's a very functional approach where it's like, 
I would rather, you know, feel good and like do things smart and properly than like push myself for these performance metrics and kill myself. You know what I mean? So like I value that, but I also value, you know, working out hard. And so I push that intensity and I, and I kind of mimic that, like that hard workout environment, like I had as an athlete, but in a very controlled and functional way where, you know, we're picking variations we're picking movement patterns that are not going to, you know, yield injury. They're going to be, they're going to be more just functional in general. So I would say like right now I do a, a wide variety of things, but I really like to combine strength training, hypertrophy training and conditioning. Like that's really kind of been my, my go-to. I actually, the, the, that style of programming, I, I've ca- I call it high intensity interval strength training. And I really like to blend those three principles together in an almost like a conjugate style athlete split where it's like upper lower. And so it'll be, you know, your upper body, lower body day, Wednesday conditioning, um, condition cardio abs, I like to call it. And then upper lower hypertrophy on the, on the back end of the week. So it's upper lower strength in the front end, upper lower hypertrophy on the back end. Um, and yeah, just really with that functional approach where we're going to do movement patterns, mobility is very much so involved in those movement patterns. Um, so yeah, that's really what it looks like. And then I push it hard, like the conditioning. I love doing conditioning. Um, that's, that's something I do every single day. Honestly, sometimes I take, take a break from it and I I just do the strength and the hypertrophy mixed together. Um, but most of the time I'm doing all three of those combined together in some format, And I find that that really yields kind of the best results because in my opinion, like in a given 52 week period, I can cycle, you know, in like four week cycles, I could cycle basically every single major compound movement pattern through strength and through hypertrophy. So you're basically just like completely well-rounded at that point, if you do it for a year, um, for, that's just an example, but yeah, that's a lot of like what my training style looks like. Um, so yeah. And then eating wise, how do you eat now compared to. Oh when my you're gosh. Trying to be 240. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we've, me and Christine and I collectively, you know, I've learned a lot over the years, but you know, we really just try to focus on really consuming foods that are minimally processed is so like, that's kind of like a rule of thumb. Like we say to our clients is like, you should always like the number one thing to check is like the ingredients. Like at first in the past, it's been like, Oh, as long as the macros line up, like we're good. But it's like, now it's like, no, like let's focus on quality micronutrients, quality macronutrients, and like focusing on the big picture. Um, and then obviously like protein carries most of the macro split, um, the most of the weight of the macro split. So I don't, as of recently, I've really kind of gotten, I pulled back a little bit from tracking the carbs and the fats. I really track like mostly just my calories and protein, but, um, I'll still track and like be mindful of my full macros, but really high, high protein, minimally processed, um, yeah, that's really kind of our principles that we like. Uh, generally, that's very general, but that's that's what we like to focus on. And then uh, any vices like booze, sugar, anything like that? Not really. Um, honestly, we we both kind of uh, we both kind of pulled back from the drinking quite a bit. We we do it every now and then. You know, like we'll go out on like a weekend and get a dinner and like have like a drink or two. But um, I think for both of us, it was it was like a very focal part of our lives. But like it's very much so kind of like gotten way more balanced let's say nowadays and i think you know my sister megan like she has a huge piece or a huge part of that too because like when i visit her in chicago like i like towards that period of time where i was transitioning like i started to like slow down the drinking i wasn't drinking as much and so everything's kind of like led us to this point where like we've we really have found honestly like balance with it i would say because in college what are you doing a lot of dumb shit oh yeah a lot of dumb shit like what's (laughs) uh like what's a college drinking day um like 
every day. <laughs> for oh, most shit. people, not for me. Yeah, but I'm saying but like, like on a for most like people. what like a Saturday night. Yeah, like Saturday, like we finish a game and everybody would go. Like crazy. what? What's a normal? Like you know, like you got a prescription. Like, I would, like ten beers, fifteen beers. What was your thing? Man, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of different beer, beer for sure. Yeah. Um, what did college kids drink a couple years ago? Like really, it was just like mixed drinks and beer. Yeah. It was like shitty mixed drinks, like whatever, like you get a Jack and Coke, get a vodka, whatever, soda, or beer. <laughs> like what Shots. Guys, what like, was like Bush Light? What are you guys drinking back then? Oh, man. Probably mostly Bud Light. Okay. I'm from like the Natty, like the Natty Light. Natty was definitely very prominent. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Coors Light if you were balling. I yeah. say it's all so gross, man. God, I don't miss any of that. But yeah, it's crazy. Like you really, when you stop, when you pull back, and I, I've talked with clients who kind of find that themselves where they pull back from the drinking it's like you really start to notice the impact it has because you don't know better when you're like full-fledged like drinking every weekend or whatever and partying all the time like you're so in it that you don't even know what it feels like to feel good but like when you really do start to pull back gain more of that moderation like do not (laughs) go balls to the wall where you're getting blackout drunk like you really start to realize the physical and mental ramifications of it and it's like it's not even where it gets to the point where it's not even worth it you're like I feel so shitty. It's like, it's horrible. It's like, you don't even feel like the desire to do it. Yeah. I'm trying to think like, I remember Carmen was here last week and she did, I'm going to look this up real quick. She had an alcohol book. I actually ordered it, um, for Heather and it's, um, if people are listening, it was, uh, the alcohol experiment. It's like a 30 day alcohol free. Oh yeah. I remember her talking about like that. interrupts your habits and helps. I think it's just like, like a checklist throughout it. It's a pretty legit book. Like it was like substantial. Yeah. Um, but my wife just want to look at it and kind of go through the thing. Cause again, the same thing, like where you just wander into the habits There's nothing wrong with it. Like you right. can, if you guys can control it, cool. But I'm like, it does take away things. If you don't, and again, we always do this too. When people are like, I have two drinks a week. We just say four. Yeah. We double it always. It's for sure. Always underestimated. <laughs> well, cause you're full of shit dude. Like your pores are not the same pores as like a restaurant. No, they just aren't. And like who really, I mean, some people do, but who really just drinks like, one beer. No chance. Like, it's really, it's rare, dude. Yeah. So I was just curious. Because obviously you're not, you're removed from college years, but not as far as myself. So that progression usually gets better. But again, some people go the other way. Oh, for sure. Where it's just like, it's the same shit forever. And you see that too with like guys who played higher, especially like whether it's college or NFL, even friends of mine that all the way through college, like who were, you know, super, super fit. And it's now they're, you know, 30 pounds heavier, 40 pounds heavier just because they have similar eating and drinking habits. They're just not playing sports for three hours a day. And that's exactly why I like to, you know, coach those guys and, and help them out. Cause I do feel like it's almost like guys, especially, and that's who I most like, I work really mostly with, with guys, some girls, but mostly guys. And I feel like when you are done being an athlete, you kind of go down those two realms where it's like you either continue growing and like continue that growth, continue that work ethic, or it completely stops. And you kind of just like, you take more pride basically in like, boozing and going out and doing those things than you do in becoming a better individual and becoming a higher performer. And I think, you know, if guys could just take, you know, a little bit of those habits that they, that they had once before and apply them to their day to day. Now, I think they live way happier and healthier. And so that's why it's so important for me, you know, to help those individuals now. Well, there's some dudes who can do it. Like we have a couple dudes here that can drink booze and like still come in here and fucking, but it's rare. Yeah. It's like a super rare thing. And honestly, like you can tell the difference too, because obviously you work with people who were athletes and then people who weren't. Yeah. And this is not a knock against people who weren't. There's just a different gear. Yeah, for sure. And we can tell. 
And sometimes, and everybody likes to, and dudes do this. Dudes romanticize themselves as being like the fucking man, even though most of them sucked. Um, sorry, everybody. Uh, but sometimes, <laughs> like, sometimes it's true, though, because we've had dudes in here. I remember this guy, uh, Bobby Johnson's his name. And he came in here and he just like, like a normal dude, like, you know, a little bit overweight, uh, not, you know, physically like overly impressive, just like a normal guy. And he's like, yeah, I ran track like for the Gophers and, uh, he's older. He's probably like 44, 45 at the time. And he's like, I missed the Olympics by like, you know, like one spot at the trials. And I'm like, Oh my God. You know, I'm listening to him like, did you really though? Cause I'm like, you don't look like, like you're, you're just so far removed from it. From and that, like, yeah. yeah. And like, we stick them on the assault bike and we do this for everybody, like through assessments. And we just tell them like, you know, do what you can do, but don't kill yourself. And he does it and he just rips off like 38 cows and he's oh like totally fine. I'm like, okay, well maybe you did. <laughs> maybe you did. Too. Yeah. And my, my point is, is that, and again, like, is that a, like a record here? No, I go, but for a normal dude to walking off the street, if he could even do that, it would bury him. Oh, for like, sure. Like he's puking in the oh ground. God, he's sick. Yeah. And he gets off the bike like it was nothing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's got a base built that a normal 45-year-old guy does not have. And mm-hmm. he's willing to go into waters real deep oh, yeah. that a normal person can't go to. So that is that is probably the biggest difference that I do see is like, okay. And you know it, too. And there's nothing wrong. That's the beauty of fitness. Like, you can get out of it what you want to. For sure. But there is people who are willing to go, like, close to the brink. And there's oh, yeah. people who are just okay with being here too. Mm-hmm. And both work. But both work. It's a different for athletes for sure. And usually oh, yeah. with the booze too. Yes. Because you're willing to go. like, And that's what I was like, well, if I'm going to drink, dude, I'm going to be the best fucking drinker. <laughs> well, it's funny because every time you've ever talked about that, I'm like, that's so it's so me. Because it's like I'm very like all in or all out kind of personality. And yeah, it's just funny. Every time you say that, I'm like, yep, that, that's me. But we're all <laughs> similar too, right? Like yeah. it was everything. Like We had friends who were like, if I'm going to smoke weed, dude. I'm going to smoke the most fucking weed like yeah. possible. Or if it was like, for me, it was like chewing. I'm like, if I'm going to chew, like what's the baddest way you can do it? Okay. Chew a whole tin a day and then never, then get to the point where you don't spit. I'm just going to swallow like all this dumb fucking shit. It's all yeah. the, the ego shit of a dude. Like, and who's the strongest dude? Mm-hmm. It's all the same. It's this weird ego thing. If you can let go of that in any industry, you can be super successful for sure. So it's like for an athlete, it's a great thing, but it's, in other areas of your life, it's like the worst. Oh, yeah. It's like the worst. Thing. <laughs> it really is. Uh, I'll let you get out here in a second. What is the – if you were going to give somebody – because I've obviously been doing it for a while now. The whole Your whole journey just in general obviously is, is impressive. The fact that like you're going to put that much time into something with zero guarantee it could ever work. And even like when it works out, it's amazing, but it's so – it's such a small thing for so much effort. And that's the same way I think of like fitness too when, you know – People are like, oh, you're super fit. I'm like, yeah, but do you know how long I've like worked out? Yeah. And the foods I, I do eat versus I don't eat and all the things I go, and this is all I got, bro. Like, this is it. You know, it's the same thing for your, your business. Like, you're putting in hundreds of hours, and if you picked probably any other industry, you'd make way more money. Oh, yeah. Way, like, dude, if I did this in like fucking finance, dude, I would have like a hundred million dollars. Right yeah. Now. It would be so, but I'm an idiot. I'm doing fitness, but I like it. So w- with all that stuff said, advice to somebody who maybe they're looking to get into like this space, or even if it's not that, if they're looking to punt their corporate job and, or maybe they're not even there yet. They're a kid who's in college. Cause you kind of did it in the, in the, the way that you did it in a stupid way. The same way yeah. that I did it, oh, honestly. Yeah. Um, but if someone's listening, they're like, you know what? And again, obviously with the constraints of you didn't have a bunch of kids, 
you didn't have a shit ton of debt other than a stupid Mercedes. Yeah. You still have it? No. Sold it. Got, got rid of it. Got a truck. Bro. See, now you're on you're on the right track. Dude, <laughs> and you're in you're in Ohio. Like who drives a fucking Mercedes Idiot. in Ohio? I was sliding around. Do a ton of people snow. have Mercedes like in Columbus? Nah. Is that really. like common? Because here, like you drive around, it's like Yeah, it's like you see Porsche every other car. <laughs> yeah, it's like to hear like a Mercedes, a BMW, a Porsche is like a Ford Taurus or yeah. a Cavalier, like where I'm from. Yeah, I just in the Midwest, like I maybe as a kid saw like Maybe one. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I did think they were cool, too. No, nah, you don't see many. Like, I mean, it just depends. But you were just like, this. Is, I got to have this. Oh, yeah. I was, I was like, in that frame of mind during that corporate job that it was, like, everything external, nothing internal. And then it's now the complete opposite. It's weird because I think if you don't really like what you're doing, or even if you kind of think you like it, you didn't really – maybe you cared about the task because your name's attached to it. I go, but you're just doing it for money. 100%. And so then if you don't have the things that show you have money, what do you really have? Well, and that's where, it, you know, when I was doing those the silly pros and the cons, it's like it wasn't even about the money at that point. It was just like I just want to be, like, happy. Like I want to genuinely be fulfilled because I knew in that job it was like – like you said, it's, you're doing these things, but for what? Like, for why? Like, why am I? Why am I doing this? And I think, I think a lot of people just need to ask themselves that. Like, some people just need to like take a huge pause on their lives and just be like, why the fuck am I doing this? Like, why am I doing this specific habit? Why am I doing this job? Because no one does that. I asked a client one time. I'm like, have you ever just stopped and asked yourself like, why am I doing these things? Because he's like a client that struggles with a lot of things. I'm like. You ever ask like why? He's like, dude, I don't think everybody, anybody's ever asked that. Because I think what happens is like, and you've talked about on the podcast is like when we're kids, you know, we're so naive and and dumb and we're just like, oh, we could do anything. But it actually is like a good trait because I think as we get older and it happened to me with the corporate job and getting the Mercedes and doing all this bullshit was like you get all these external ideas about what what is success, what is what is happiness. Um, and we get so caught up. It's like the freaking matrix. It's like everybody's like living in this like matrix. And like you just people need to just disconnect sometimes and be like, why am I doing the things am I do, um, that I'm doing? Am I doing it for my own reasons? For, do I have specific reasons why I'm doing this? Or am I doing it because my friends are doing it? Am I doing it because my family wanted me to do it? Am I doing it because I'm trying to impress the world by driving a fucking Mercedes? Like, what is it? Like, why, why are you doing these things? And I think so many people would be so much happier and would have so many would have be so clear on what it is they're supposed to do in life if they just sit for sit down pause and say why am i doing this 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 all the things that they do and you'll figure out real quick like which one of those decisions are a deep underlying why as it pertains to you and your life and you'll figure out a whole lot about the things that do not serve your life it makes saying no a whole hell of a lot easier when you have that perspective and you have those values where you have a firm why behind every single thing you're doing. And that comes with li- living with intention, living with purpose every single day. And I think that you find that by just pausing and asking, why am I doing these things? And it's crazy that you figured it out today because there's people who are 66 and 76 and 86 that maybe never do. Never do. Just don't. And what, so what made you just take the time to be like, hey, this is not working out? Like what, like, cause you did it at a young, I mean, I guess I did too, Yeah. but I'm an idiot. Um, I just got lucky. I just really didn't want to hate my fucking life, dude. Like I really, <laughs> and I know I say that a lot, but I like, I really just was like, this sucks. Yeah. And I want to do something that feels like it matters. Cause I felt like it didn't matter there. Yeah. I felt like if I was dead, I'm like, no one would have gave a shit. And I really thought, you know what? I could just work here and my weekends will still be fun. And then you figure out real quick, like 
man, but now it makes my weekend suck too because I don't like it. Yeah. And there was no meaning behind it. And I guess like that's the probably the one thing. It's like if you do play sports, and maybe that's what it is. Like you mattered. Like even if you're not like if you're the if you're the man and you have the juice or not or you're just part of the team and you're you're part of this community where you're a piece of it, you do matter and it's your identity. And I feel like when you work sometimes in these arenas that you don't care about, you don't have an identity. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think it falls back on you know you asked you know what was it honestly, and I tell her this a lot. Like I don't I don't sit here and like pat myself on the back much, but it's like the one trait I don't know where I picked it up to be quite honest, but like I've just am so decisive. Like when I like know I want to do something, it's just like go. And it's like that's kind of how I've always been. And it helped me so much because when I realized that like it got to that breaking point within that you know, corporate job, it was like, yo, like you just got to do like you got to act like start, start now and just do it. And I've kind of been like that. Yeah. Like my whole life where I've just been super decisive since a young age. And it's really helped. It really helped me during this time where it was. And I made that I'm the same way with even business decisions now with fitness. It's like, I know certain things like when they're, when they are for me, when they're not. And I just like, I go all in on those things that are. And so it's just like that decisiveness is what helped me. So when you guys like go to dinner, you're super (laughs) decisive. Yeah. Or you're like, no, I don't know where to go. I'm pretty. Decided. That's always the argument. Like, where do you want to go? I don't care. I don't care. Let's but I do here. throw the ball in her court sometimes, most of the time. That's just being a smart dude, man. You just defer. Yeah. That works. Um, <laughs> this is good, dude. This is all good shit, man. Um, where do these guys, where do these guys find you at? Where do they kind of stalk you at? What's all your, uh, all the social media handles? Well, all your shit is just throw it out there. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I honestly am most active on Instagram. Uh, it's uh, at what are, the pla- what are the platforms do you use? I do use TikTok. I do use Facebook a how, little how bit. How do you like TikTok? I hate it. So I just I do it because I have to. I um <laughs> I don't understand it. I really don't. There isn't a real estate lady who's on there. I'll send you her stuff. I forget her name. Uh, she's like Southern. Her it's interesting. She puts out these clips. Uh, I think that's the only person I follow. Yeah, like I don't. I literally like there's there's sometimes I get caught like scrolling a little bit on Instagram, but I really try to do, you say it a lot, like post and ghost. Um, I really try cause like, and I only respond and like talk to people that are like it messaging sucks you, me. It sucks you in bro. Yeah. It sucks you in, but it, I will f- say it fucks people up too. It does. And I will say with TikTok, like I do not scroll at all. Like I literally will like repurpose the content post it, and I'm off. And, uh, the Facebook is great for like the Facebook communities and building that online. And so, yeah, those are really the three main platforms. But yeah, at Zach Tenor, uh, Z-A-C-H-T-U-R-N-U-R-E. And like I said, I'm most active, I would say, on Instagram. That's where you know a lot of people will DM me and I'll have good conversations helping people and stuff. So yeah, definitely on uh, on Instagram. I'll um I'll put all the stuff in uh, in the show notes too. And you guys do a podcast too? Yeah, so we have the uh, Life Rewired podcast. Um, I actually originally came up with that that name and everything life rewired because of all the things I had gone through with personal development. And I kind of wanted to share those things with the world. And then, you know, when Christina and I started dating and then obviously we're now engaged, but, um, when we started dating and I guess it was kind of recently that we decided to collaborate. Um, but yeah, it kind of just made sense, you know, her female perspective on fitness and health and coaching and, you know, my male perspective, it just made sense for us to collaborate. And so now, yeah, the podcast is our baby and it's cool. You know what you said about this too, and this human connection. Cause that's the thing we love the most. Like we love doing that podcast because it's finally a time to like speak and talk and give valuable information. That's more than 10 seconds. And it just is like so much more human. And so you can just get so much more information out to people. So yeah, we love it. You can find us on all platforms. Life, the life rewired podcast. Boom. I'll put that uh, in the show notes too. And you guys are getting married, huh? Yeah. Yes, we are. <sighs> 
Oh. <laughs> Bless your hearts, dude. And you're working together? Fuck, dude. Oh, yeah. Uh, but you each have your own individual stuff. Right? Yes, we do. Yeah. yeah. We're that's, separate. That's probably healthy. Yeah, um, it is. I'm an old married guy, so I'm just speaking from... Speaking from... When are you guys getting married? We are doing March 30, 2024. Oh, nice, dude. Oh, so got, we're doing two years. We yeah, decided, like... Think it through. We didn't want to rush it. Like we You were, might hate each other by then. <laughs> Who knows, dude? You know? Yeah. And we, I have a couple of buddies that are getting married in the next couple of years, and so we were like, we don't want to complicate shit. Like, we'll just do two years. No rush. Yeah. I mean, that's my... My old person advice is just just take your time, man. If yeah. it's if it's permanent, what does it matter anyway? What does it matter? <laughs> it's uh, yeah, dude. And it, have you guys traveled anywhere super far? We have not. Our, we do want to go to Amalfi Coast for our honeymoon. Oh yeah, it's uh, I've been there. It's cool. It, it is what it is. What it looks like. It's a neat. I could tell a million stories too. I almost puked. <laughs> I almost puked on a lady on a bus when we were there. Uh, we went to. We did wrong. We flew into from here. God, it's such a pain in the ass from here. Here, Detroit, Detroit to Detroit, right to Rome. We did Rome first, and then Sorrento, um, all Amalfi Coast, down Positano, Capri, everything. It's uh, it's pretty sick, dude. It's a, that's that's a good bucket list trip for, for sure. sure. So yeah. that'll be our. We haven't. So to answer your question, no, we yeah, have just not. go somewhere um, and have a miserable time, and just see how you both are. And I think, you know, COVID, we really bonded over COVID because, like, we literally started dating, like, right before COVID. So, we always joke. We're like, we literally were quarantined together. So, we're like, if we can make it through that shit, we can make it through. We can make it through a lot. Oh, yeah. Because COVID, yeah, COVID sucked, dude. Yeah. That wasn't fun. And you guys did it, like, freshly dating. Fresh, right out the gate. Like, literally, what was it, two days? One day. Literally, the next day. After we started dating, the world went fucking nuts. And you just hung out in Ohio. Hung out in Columbus, Ohio. And... Stayed at your apartment mostly, but then mine before we moved in together. But so we bounced back and forth a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't wonder what COVID would be like if I was younger and dating. <laughs> Did it suck? Uh, it really, I mean, it like sucked, but like weirdly, like we had, we had, we enjoyed each other. Like we're like very similar, um, in a lot of ways. And it, it, it really does. I feel like that would like drive some people crazy, but it like, it really actually makes our life like super easy. Like there's obviously some things we disagree on, but it's like a lot of things we're like very in tune on the same page. So it kind of just makes like the, the ebb and flow of life pretty, pretty simple, pretty cool. Yeah. I just think like if you're younger, it's probably maybe better. Did you watch the news a lot? No. So you're like, stay off that shit. <laughs> I think if you're younger, like it was better. If you were like 50 and you're like in this habit or 16 in this habit of watching the news, it fucked you up even more. For sure. And I think the more, like, I remember, like, we were walking around. I'll let you go after this. Like, I remember walking around, and the world was, like, shutting down. And I looked at Heather, and I'm like, God, I wish. There was this kid riding a bike. He was, like, eight. I'm like, God, I wish I was this fucker right now. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. know anything, dude. He doesn't right. give a shit. It's March here. It's 80 degrees. It's perfect. He's riding his bike. He's going to fucking stay up till 2 tonight, eat cookies and shit, and just plan a trampoline tomorrow. And I'm going to close this business down. Mm -hmm. And we're going to deal with whatever bullshit comes the next day. And I'm like, God, this sucks, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, I think if you're younger, it's probably better. Yeah. But I dig it, man. This is awesome, bro. I appreciate it. For sure. Um, all good stuff. Give me your Instagram handle one more time. It's uh, at Zach Tenor, Z-A-C-H, 
T-U-R-N-U-R-E. Boom. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, these guys can check it out there. Um, if you guys want a sample of Athletic Greens, obviously hit me up. I'm happy to send it. Otherwise, athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott. You guys can get all the free stuff from there. Again, the app is live. You guys can download it now for just a buck. Uh, JeremyScottFitness.app. It's also in our Instagram bio, and it's also in the show notes here if you guys want to check it out. Um, ton of stuff coming there, but if you got questions, honestly, just ask. And uh, if you guys are on Instagram, give uh, Zach a follow. He's had a, a unique journey for a young man, and he seems like he's got his shit uh, together, which um, I barely do, and I'm way older. So here we are, dude. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, this no, is good thank, stuff, you. thank you, Jeremy. Awesome. Thank you guys for being here. Um, sure. If you guys got questions for him, obviously hit him up, uh, but don't be a creep. And if you need something from me, obviously just ask. And until next time, oh, wait, if you're on Apple Podcasts, don't be a lazy ass. Drop it a five-star, leave a comment. Same thing for Spotify. I'd appreciate it. And until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people. And please, you guys, keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.